Hey, you crazy kids, what's happening? Well, it's time for another episode. This is episode 14. Can you believe that? 14 episodes. I started this project out hoping I would keep going. And after every podcast, I just look forward to the next one. I hope you're enjoying them as well. Leave me some uh, comments. Leave me some love. Don't leave me any hate. I don't like hate. Uh, do before we get too far into this, I want to let you know I'm going to put some links to a GoFundMe campaign in the show notes. This GoFundMe campaign is going to a family who lost three children this week to a bad car wreck in Nyota, Tennessee. So if you know them or if you just find it in your heart to give them some money, go to that GoFundMe campaign, help them out with the funeral expenses. That would be greatly appreciated. I've been really busy here lately, recorded a bunch of videos for the Athens Chamber of Commerce, the Etowah Chamber of Commerce, uh, Downtown Business Association, I said business, Downtown Business Association and Main Street Athens. We were promoting Shop Small Saturday. I've got that on my Facebook page. If you want to go check that out, just look me up at Scott Bridwell. That's my Facebook. You should be able to find that. It's pretty easy. If you can't, shoot me a note. I'll, I'll hook you up to it. I um, I'm going to try to get a copy of all those videos and put them on my YouTube page as well. Speaking of YouTube page, I actually videoed this podcast. I did. I was a little disappointed with the audio. I didn't have my equipment set up just like it's supposed to go. But that's a learning curve on my part. And I will try to do better and make it better next time. And that way I'll have a YouTube video of the podcast up for those of you who just like to sit and watch them. And I'll have this audio version of the podcast out for those of you who like to go out and just download and listen as you're doing your thing around life. So there you go. I'm trying to meet all your needs as well. I also picked up a couple of other 365 things to do videos, did one for the Humane Society. I actually probably should do more videos like that. Uh, go out there and promote things for not only that you can go out and do for fun, but things that you can do to help other people. So look for that to come in the future. Now, today's guest is Ashley Ingram. Ashley is a native of Sweetwater, Tennessee. She's also a small business owner up there. She owns a boutique. It's Her Majesty's Her Majesty Beauty. Let me. What is her shop's name? Uh, I'll find it and I'll put it in here. Unless I find it real quick. Let me look this up. H e r Her Majesty Boutique. Her Majesty Boutique. I'll put a link to that in the podcast as well, the podcast notes as well. Um, Ashley just won Miss U.S. World 2019, and that's Miss M.S., as in she's had a child. So she just won Miss U.S. World 2019, and she's going to later this year go compete for the world title. So the Miss U.S. World is the national pageant title. And she's competing for the world title uh, later this summer in the Bahamas in 2020. So kudos to her. Good luck to her as well. Now, I had no idea about anything to do with pageantry. Wasn't interested in, in pageants. Uh, had a lot of misconceptions and, and myths in my head about pageants. So why in the world did I ever want to do this podcast? Well, it's somebody local. Won a national title. And I thought, hey, let's talk to them. Let's see what's going on. Let's see if I can find out some stuff I don't know. And maybe some of these myths and misconceptions are just myths and misconceptions. Boy, did I have a lot. I had no clue the amount of work that goes into this. I had no clue how empowering it is to women 
who compete in these. I had no clue the nonprofits and the things that they do to support women's causes. Uh, this was just such an eye-opening experience and conversation for me that I um, thank Ashley uh, immensely for taking the time out of her schedule uh, to talk to me. And I uh, wish her the best of luck as the reigning uh, Ms. U.S. World uh, pageant winner. I don't know what they call them. Queen? I don't know. I wish her the best of luck as she goes out there and supports her causes and promotes the causes that uh, sh that are near and dear to her heart. And we're going to talk about those as well. So sit back, relax, uh, get a cup of coffee, maybe a cocktail, something like that. Whatever you do to when you were listening to the podcast and enjoy Ms. U.S. World 2019, Ashley Ingram. And boom, we're live. We're live. So uh, thank you so much for doing this. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. You've never done a podcast or radio interview? or I have never. This so is the first time. Do they get you scheduled to do anything like this? Um, we kind of have freedom to do whatever we want. I've done more on like the news, and I do a lot in Chattanooga with Let's Chat. Um, so I've been on there several times. Oh, so you've been on TV? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I've yes. always... Uh, I've always wanted to do the TV thing. So if you're watching this, let me know. Uh, let's see. Oh, so we're at, you want to tell the folks where we're at today? So we are at Cup Runneth Over in downtown Sweetwater, Tennessee, which is where I'm from. So we are meeting at the precious little coffee shop that we have in our sweet little downtown area. I fell in love with this coffee shop. I found it by accident. I was, uh, I had a guy named Corbin Payne that I was wanting to interview. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's originally from Madisonville. And he lives up in Knoxville, and so we were trying to... He said, yeah, I'm going to be in Madison Middle this one weekend. Well, I didn't want to ask him to drive down to Athens. So I was looking around, I found this coffee shop. I said, just meet me at that coffee shop. So he ran up, we met, and did the... At, I think at this exact table. Well, maybe it was that one. And um, it was a great experience, and I fell in love with it. So when I'm back in Sweetwater, I come by here. It's such a great atmosphere. It is. It's got a cool little vibe. They got the little... Uh, bakery stuff over here that's looks extremely good but um you know it's all very dangerous when you do pageants so that's right so how many pageants have you done oh i couldn't tell you why is it a top secret no <laughs> i i started when i was five months old oh my god yeah so i i really just couldn't tell you because i have no idea so you just competed and won and was crowned miss u.s world yes. 2019 yes how exciting is that? I still don't think I have fully wrapped my head around what happened. It's something that I've worked for for the last 26 years. So being able to finally obtain that goal and fulfill that dream in my life has been insane. And I guess I just always thought once I won a national title that that would be it. And it's like now I have this Ms. World crown looming and I have to get ready to go compete for Ms. World and represent the United States. So the next competition is where and when? So I will compete in the Bahamas, which was a really nice surprise. Do you need a plus one? 
<laughs> it's probably going to take a whole team of people to have me I'll ready join your there. team. How's that? <laughs> so I will compete in the Bahamas in early August. We don't have an exact date set yet, but it will be early August. Nice. So national title. Mm-hmm. So you were also crowned, I think it was, was it 2012 or 2015, 2012, was it uh, Miss Tennessee United States. Yes, so I won Miss Tennessee United States in 2012 and then I took a five-year break from pageantry and I, I really just, that was a hole in my life that I, I was missing and so I went back and competed for Ms. Tennessee United States in 2017 and I won that title as well. So you've won Miss and Ms. So for the folks listening uh, or watching that are ignorant like me, <laughs> the difference is... So the difference is, as a Miss, you're you're pretty much just, I think the division is like 18 through 27 or 28, and you've never been married, you've never had children, um, just straight out of college, Ashley, I was actually in college when I won Miss Tennessee, um, so when I came back as a Miss, I was eligible for that title because I had a little boy. Got it. Yes. So after I had my son. Is that why you had your son? <laughs> yeah, for that next title. <laughs> like, um, I want that title. Yeah, I'm waiting on a ring so I can uh, go for that Mrs. title, you guys. So <laughs> So guys, if you're wondering. <laughs> uh, so the, um, I don't know, so my podcast is basically about people and things that interest me, mm-hmm. right? So I didn't know you, so I didn't really, uh, I, this is going to sound horrible. I wasn't interested. <laughs> I didn't know you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that interested in pageants. Right. And then, you know, my mom comes up. She says, hey, this local girl just won U.S. Miss World. I'm like, oh, okay. And then it comes across my Facebook feed. And I got thinking, oh, wait a minute. I don't know anything about pageants. Uh, I watched them when I was a child because we had three channels on TV and mom wanted to watch it. So you watched it. I watched it when I got married because, you know, my wife likes that stuff. And so we'd watch it. And um, then I got to thinking... On one hand, it surprises me that in today's day and age, we still have these. Um, and then I was thinking, well, what, what is the intrigue? What, what draws people to it? And I know right now, there's a, I don't know if you've been following the controversy with the uh, uh, Victoria's Secret mm-hmm. controversy. Mm-hmm. And that guy was saying that, uh, I guess it's their chief communications officer or somebody, he says that they're selling a male fantasy What's your thoughts on the whole, I guess, objectifying, or do you view it as that? Uh, I don't at all. Um, actually, I have never, when I came back as a Miz, so we'll, we'll start this story here. When I came yeah. back as a Miz, I had had my son, and um, there were some relationship things that caused me to almost be depressed and I had gained a lot of weight and I when I decided to come back and compete for Ms. Tennessee it was because I I was like I have to lose weight and I'm just not that type of person that can be like okay we're gonna lose 40 pounds today it just doesn't work that way for yeah. me so I needed that end goal I'm very like goal oriented and I knew that if I put a timeline on it that I would be ready So I signed up to compete for Miss Tennessee United States 2017, and I, you know, started working with a personal trainer. I had a meal plan. I overall just got so much healthier in my life, and when I competed for Miss Tennessee, 
I have never felt more, and when I went on to compete for Miss United States, I had never been more confident in my life, and that was post-baby in a swimsuit on stage. Wow. And I didn't feel objectified at all. Like, I've actually never felt more confident and empowered in my life than to show off I worked so hard to be here, and I lost 60 pounds so that I could be on this stage. 60 pounds, and how much time? And I lost 50 between November 11th and April 1st of that year, and then another 10 pounds before I went to um, the national pageant. So I think about the span of about eight months. Wow. So... Yes, and the healthy way was not, you know, crash dieting, anything like that. I had a personal trainer and a nutritionist that were really helping me do this the right way. And I was just spending a lot of time in the gym and really working on myself. So being able to stand on that stage confidently in my own skin and feel beautiful was huge for me because I had done it the right way. Well, and that I think I'm glad to hear that. And uh, mm-hmm. I guess on one hand, I kind of guessed obviously you're competing in them you don't view it that way right Uh, but you do hear a lot of people who say it it is that and my disagreement with that argument that it's objectifying women is I guess if I thought the vast majority of me people watching these pageants and the vast majority of people who's going to watch this Victoria's Secret pageant or show were straight men okay Mm -hmm. I, I would buy it that's not the case I mean the vast majority of people who watch pageants are women. Yes. And so... Overall. Yeah, overall. And I mean, you probably have some guys that watch it because, like I did, you know, the wife is there. and Well, that's our Super Bowl. You know, the right. pageants, that's our Super Bowl. So, you know, guys have And award thing. shows. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so that's why I don't think it's so much a an objectification of it. They did just take away, I think, the swimsuit portion of Miss USA. Is that correct? No, they took away um, in Miss Teen USA. The teens are now competing in fitness wear. And actually, for this pageant, I competed in fitness and not swimsuit. So we pretty much had the choice. We could wear a tank top or a sports bra. We could wear yoga pants, workout shorts. I wore a tennis skirt. Um, You just wore something that you felt confident in. So Mm -hmm. you kind of got to choose what level of, you know, what level of outfit you wanted to wear. It was totally up to you, and it was just, we were based entirely on confidence. They were not looking for the girl that was a size two. I'm not a size two. So they weren't looking for the smallest girl on stage. They were looking for the woman who could stand on stage and be most confident in her skin, how she was. So I went to the U.S. World pageant website. Yes. Which, uh, guys, you need to work on your website. (laughs) Uh, And I tried to find some YouTube videos. Yes, we do need more videos, for sure. And I found one, I think, from 2015, and it was showing some of the contestants walking out. It was just what you said. Mm-hmm. There were there were thin, fit women, and there were some women who doesn't fit today's idea of thin and fit. Uh, there were some larger women. There were some uh, younger women. There were some older women. And I think that one lady's from Australia. Yes. She's, what, how, I don't know how old she was. Robbie Canner is our current Ms. World, and I, I believe that she's 61 years old. Right. So, yes, I mean, women of all ages. That's what's really special about the Ms. U.S. World and the Ms. World organization as a whole is that they truly celebrate all women. Um, it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your size is. They're celebrating inner and outer beauty, and they're just looking for a woman who is confident and a woman who is real in today's society. And that's what I appreciate about seeing that Robbie Canner yes. uh, wearing a crown. And I thought, okay, wait, this is pretty cool that she was up there competing with girls of your age. Yes. Um, 
and still she wins this crown and and goes on to represent now miss u.s so you're going to do miss u.s world and then you go for miss world right yes Okay. So I will be competing for Robbie's title. See, look at this crown. Yes. Look at Hello. That. You guys thought beautiful. I had rhinestones. I have <laughs> joked that I'm going to try to have it permanently attached to my head. And so that I can wear it always. Is it comfortable at all? It actually is not hard to wear. <laughs> oh, I thought you could say it's not comfortable at all. <laughs> no, I've had crowns that are very uncomfortable that have that I've had migraine headaches when wearing. And this one actually is to be as big as it is. Can it's I hold very, it? Yes, of is course. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. If you drop it on camera, then. <laughs> Look at this. You guys want to see this on me? Very sparkly. <laughs> it is a beautiful crown. Do, yes. you, uh, do they make a new one? So this is the new one. So they make one every year? No. No. So they actually did revamp the national crown this year. So I have the brand new crown and um, the really like spiky one that you saw. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, that you saw Robbie wearing. That is the international crown. So hopefully, hopefully I'll be wearing that Hopefully you'll get the one international day. one. Yes. That would be amazing. So now what all, I know that they're big on supporting women's issues and I believe it's the... You, Miss World pageant is for, uh, I forgot the, uh, I'm seeing the acronym, but it's against violence against women. Yes. The National Organization of Women's Safety Awareness. Yes. So that is the national platform of the organization. And we are just to be a voice for women who have suffered through sexual violence or any of those situations. So what are they doing to do that? I mean, how are they, how do they get that out there? Through education. So Lydia, who is a former Ms. World title holder, she has founded this organization. And there's actually, I am the Ms. World, um, the Ms. U.S. World title holder. And so I'm lucky and I get to be a sort of ambassador for this organization. But now a new thing that they did this year is they crowned a NAUSA ambassador at the pageant. So they, all of us had the opportunity to send in an email if we were interested in being the NAUSA ambassador. Um, I did not personally send in an email. I just didn't feel like I even deserved that, not being someone who has experienced um, any type of sexual violence in my life. But there were women who did, and that's, you know, compete with a platform of domestic violence and just different, their own personal platforms that go hand in hand with what NAUSA already stands for. So Miranda Childers from Georgia is actually our NAUSA ambassador. That name's familiar for some reason. She's from North Georgia. She was actually Ms. North Georgia at the pageant. So she um, she's absolutely beautiful and she is going to be the NAUSA ambassador for this year and she will also come to Ms. World and have the chance to compete for the international title. So what was your platform? So my personal platform is called Safely Social, and what mm -hmm. I do is I work with moms and I work with children, mainly teens, sadly children too, because they have iPhones and they have social media now. But what I do is I educate on um, social media safety and, you know, just try to keep our, our kids safe online. Okay, how do you do that? I mean, you go to schools, do you... I have worked a lot in schools 
mostly local here in this area and just try to educate them on what they need to do to be safe. With parents, I try to talk to them about what rules. This is a tough one. I mean, this is very tough, but I try to talk to them about the rules that they need to be implementing with their children when it comes to their phones. And that's all to protect them, but you know how that is when you have a teenager. What, they, what, what would your rules be? I know what my rules were growing up, my kids growing up. What, what, what I think rules? that there needs to be, between a parent and child, well, and teenagers too, that's where it gets tough is because teenagers don't want parents in their phones. But parents right. are you don't usually want to see the pictures paying. I'm <laughs> they shouldn't be sending those pictures. <laughs> they shouldn't be, but you know, there's a reality uh, thing. It is a reality thing, and that's why I think that um, if parents are more involved when it comes to that, maybe, hopefully, some of that will stop. But I think that some of the rules that need to be implemented, two of the biggest ones are an open phone policy. If I ask to see your phone at any time, you hand me your phone mm-hmm. right then and there. You don't. No, no time to delete stuff. No passwords. And that's the other thing with social media. Parents need to have their children's passwords. I agree. 100%. Uh, we had basically two rules. Uh, this first rule covered everything to do with your phone. That phone is for my convenience, not yours. Yes. So when you start paying for your phone. Absolutely. Then you. That's my theory behind it as well. <laughs> right. That means if I call you, you get back to me or you answer. And I get it if you're in school. I get that, but you reply to me yes. right away as soon as possible. Um, you can't do that, then that phone's no longer convenient for me. It's now my phone. Yes. Uh, so that was one basic rule. Phone's for my convenience, not yours. The second one was at night, uh, the phones go on a table in the living room. You go to bed. That's another great rule. Right. You're not taking the phone. Nothing good's happening with a cell phone and a teenager after 10 p.m. No. (laughs) No. And even if they're just in there, you know, in there just playing games. Go to bed. Or (laughs) watching videos. That's not good. And teenagers Mm -hmm. have enough problems sleeping. Yes. I mean, your whole circadian rhythm and all that stuff gets messed up. You get everything going on. It's horrible for them. So having screens in there is horrible Uh, and that went so far as that they didn't have tvs yes in their rooms well when i was a miss i really focused on bullying and i kind of my platform kind of evolved into social media safety when i became a miss and it was because of me having the the parent relation as opposed to just being a 20 year old girl in college but they really tie in hand in hand and I think that a lot of the rules that can be put into place and I think that these things can also help with bullying because that is where a lot of bullying is taking place is on social media and through phones because we have these keyboard warriors that would never say some of the things that they're not afraid to say online they wouldn't and I've ran into that doing the stuff that I do. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I get these keyboard warriors, I guess that's how, how you said it, and it's, it's probably the right way. The trolls. The way I handle mine is I don't. That's the I don't best respond. way to handle it. Uh, I don't do what I call Facebook ping pong. So, you know, you we, we post something on Facebook, and you respond, and then I respond, and then you respond, and I respond, and then at some point we're just talking past each other and not with each other. Yes. And so I'll usually give my one response, and I'll usually put the caveat in there. Look, I'm not playing Facebook ping pong. This is my one response. Yes. If you would like to talk further about this face-to-face, we can. Absolutely. Then here's my response. But, and then I've had them just try to blow it up. 
you know, well, thinking that I'll come back. But and typically don't. they don't want a resolution. Typically they just are enjoying the fight. So you, I'm sure you don't get a lot of follow-up on that. No, I've, like I said, I've, got, I've had one who just, he put like four or five replies after that. And I didn't even go look at them. I just kept getting these notifications. Yes. I didn't go look at them. It's, it's not worth going down that rabbit hole for me. Or your peace of mind at or all. None. Mm-mm. None. And, but I also, I, I'm very anti-bully. Yes. Um, I don't know what you're going to think about this, but when I was bringing my kids up, my daughter was uh, a little, little girl in uh, preschool. That's right, preschool. And she was the only little girl amongst all these little boys. We were living in southeastern Kentucky. So she's coming home with bruises and scratches. And uh, I was in the Marine Corps Reserve at the time. And so I go and talk to the school. And I basically get the boys will be boys thing. Yes. Right. And so I come home and the wife are talking about it. And I said, well, no, she's right. Boys will be boys until they're taught to be men. That's why we teach them to be men. She says, what are we going to do? So I'm going to teach her to fight. And so I spent that weekend on my knees teaching her, you know, a basic hand-to-hand combat techniques that I'd learned in the Marine Corps. I mean, to the point of grabbing hair and kneeling them in the face. <laughs> and I'm, I'm teaching her this. And I'm letting her go full speed on me because she's two and a half, three years old. Yes. It's not hurting me. She leaves, leaves a few red marks. But that's what I did. And um, we go back to school on Monday. I tell them. I said, look, I understand you got your rules. I understand you don't want them fighting, blah, blah, blah. So once this happens, just give me or Becca a call. We'll come pick her up and take her to get ice cream. And that's what I told her. I told Kaylee that too. You'll get ice cream. She quit coming home with bruises. (laughs) She quit coming home with scratches. But then I went on to teach my kids. um, When it comes to a bully, you know, like a a physical bully, punch them in the throat. Don't wait for that first fight. Just go ahead and get it over with because bullies do not want to fight. They no. don't want a physical altercation. They just want it to, to look big and tough. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you confront them, they don't like it. Keyboard warriors are a little different, though. Why do you think that is? Oh, they can stay brave behind a keyboard. It's, it's, there's just kind of different levels and different types. It's just like... There's no with, physical harm. Right. There's no physical harm. And it's kind of like with boys versus girls. Boys can fight it out and be best friends five minutes later, whereas girls cut a little deeper with words. And they words do. Are, yes, words are very powerful. And girls girls are not typically physical bullies. They cut deep with They're words. They're very verbal. Yes. And and that's very damaging. It, it That's, you know, a dam, a, you know, it does long-term damage. And... That's kind of why I almost think that it's better that these boys can just kind of wrestle it out and then be done with it. It's like they can be best friends moments later, whereas with girls, you have long-term grudges. And that's really sad. Well, And, and I've noticed that like in, in relationships yes. that I've been in, it's the same way. I mean, the, the, you know, she'll get mad and say some of the most cutting, hurtful things. And I'm just like, Where, how can you be so cruel and say that? mean it it's emotions <laughs> well but you're right the words have power they do that's why we call you know this the whole idea of casting a spell i mean you're literally you're casting a spell of division you're casting a spell of, of pain yes 
with those words. I do think we have to be very careful with our words and how we use them and make sure that we're using our words to uplift other people and encourage other people. Um, and just another reason that I kind of, I, I mean, I do, I don't kind of, I absolutely love the platform that I have is because I get that opportunity and, you know, people will listen to me and I'm able to encourage women and uplift women and inspire them to do big things in their lives as well. Right, and, that, and that's the cool thing about a platform like this. I mean, it takes you from a small stage. Not that you're on a small stage. I mean, obviously you're a former two well, two national titles, I guess, Miss and Miss, Miss and Miss. Two state titles, yes. Two state titles. Do you have another national title? No. Okay, okay. No, I've competed for oh, 26 years for this moment. <laughs> Well, congratulations! You <laughs> Thank got you. it. But it does. I did. It did start on a smaller stage. I competed at the local level, you know, for years before I went to Miss Tennessee, Miss Tennessee and won, and and lost a lot. And you know, I look back at that, and it was very hurtful at the time. And a lot of times, it was like first runner up, first runner up, first runner up. And I was like, what is it that's setting? If you ain't first, you're last. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, you walk that's away. That's how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. You still walk away empty-handed. And But when I look back at it, I was never walking away empty-handed because I was learning so much about myself every single time that I lost. And if I had went in and just won right off the bat as a miss, I would... I would have missed out on learning a lot about myself and a lot of those interviews that I sat through I remember I came out of my very first pageant interview crying (laughs) because and they were talking about my platform which was at that time um, the American Cancer Society Mm -hmm. and I had lost my grandfather to lung cancer and I I was just too close to it to talk about it and you know so that was another one of those things I kind of had to develop my platform and figure out what I was passionate about but I could still talk about and explain why. And how old were you at this time? I was 18 years old. Okay. And I just do not think, I look back and I'm like, I was 18 years old. I was very young. I did not even know myself as a person at that time. You just, you're really still getting to know yourself. Oh, yeah. At the time, you also thought you knew everything. I did know everything. (laughs) I just didn't know who I was. Exactly. So that's, you know. There, were, there was a lot of potential in all of those losses that led me to here because I would not, I wouldn't have won this title if it hadn't been for every single time that I lost in the past. I just, I was being prepared for It's interesting this. that you say that because, I mean, we have this, we have this culture that I've noticed in the last few years of this, uh, everybody, everybody wins. Yes. Everybody's a champion. Everybody, you can be anything you want to be. Yes. Uh, well, I'm, you know. I, it's not what I taught my kids. Look, you, no, you you can't you can't play in the NBA, son. <laughs> I'm sorry. You you can play really good. Yes. But let's let's find some realistic goals. Let's, let's right. find your real talents. And yeah, it's okay to lose. Uh, good. I'm glad you did. Um, and because you do learn, and you do grow from that. I I heard a guy the other day. I was listening to a podcast. Wished I knew what it was. But he said the goal of being a parent isn't isn't giving your kids the best. It's being good enough and slowly teaching them disappointment. Because in reality, they're going to get in the real world and they're going to find disappointment. So you don't want to go out there and try to do everything for your kid and give your kid everything. At some point, just tell them, eh. Wasn't for you. Not going to get that. You're not going to get to go there. No. just Because, like you said, it, it, it strengthens them. Mm-hmm. And it helps them out. 
What a, so you've done the um, Miss Tennessee, Ms. Tennessee, Ms. World. Oh, that's what I was wanting to ask you because I was talking to somebody and they said, I'm curious about her thoughts on the whole child pageantry because uh, you've seen the horrible videos and you've seen the crazy moms, you've seen the you know, five-year-old girls and six-inch stiletto videos. <laughs> Is that real? So... I mean, I told you I started doing this right. when I was start, five months old. That's I grew I know. up is that in this real? world, and my mom is standing right over here. So, hi, is mom. That, so oh, that he was filming us. <laughs> yes, she okay. was filming us. Um, so, I think that everyone has a different experience in pageantry. I do not think that pageantry is for everyone. I will say, that, and I will tell anybody that who is like, should I put my daughter in a pageant? Pageantry is not for everyone. Right. Now, reality TV, which is what I assume that we're kind of talking about to some extent. That's all I know. You're the only pageant person I know, so I have never talked about anybody else. Reality TV, at the end of the day, is Is reality reality TV. TV. Now, is the fake hair real? Are the flippers, the fake teeth real? Um, The makeup, yes. I mean, all of. I mean, I say it's real. It's fake. (laughs) But is that real life? Yes, um, it is. And. You know, I just, I never had a negative experience doing pageants as a child. I mostly competed natural, but I did do, I was in the glitz world a little bit. And the glitz world was, glitz is the the crazy, you know, I shouldn't say crazy. I do love that world and I have such a, it it holds a place in my heart. Um, But it's just So the glitz world is where they, the honey boo boo. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. So, you know, I, I never had a negative experience with it. I just it. find it fascinating that they have a name for it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the yes. Glitz World, and you were in the natural. Yes. Okay. Well, I did compete Glitz. Um, not as bit. much. But the, and I say that because the Glitz World back then was more natural, in a sense. We weren't as progressed as we are now. Right. Um, but you know what? I think of it as performing. You know, we... It, and that's what it is. The, the children are performing. They're gaining confidence. They're gaining experience. And they're just performing on stage at the end of the day. So a, some of it goes a little too far. I've seen some risque outfits and things like that that personally I wouldn't encourage. But at the end of the day, it's performing just like a dance competition or a cheerleading competition or anything like that. That's kind of how I look at it again. It's not for everyone. It's truly not. So why would you say it's not for everyone? What, what, what type of person would it be for versus who it wouldn't be for? You just have to love to be on stage and okay. be in front of people and have you know a passion for that performance end of things. Because I have been judging and seeing kids crying just right before they step onto the stage. And then they come on stage and it's a whole new kid. And they're happy and they, and they go back off stage and they're back in tantrum mode. But they were performing. They're prepared to perform, and they've been conditioned and trained to get on stage and do their routine and then exit the stage, and and whatever happens off stage is what happens off stage. They're still a child, you know, and we have children, so we understand that. And, you know, some kids don't get into the the hair and the makeup and the dresses. Yeah, my daughter, I'm sitting here trying to think, could I imagine my daughter being in a pageant? She's a very beautiful yeah. Very beautiful girl. I'll show you a picture later. But um, but beautiful girls love to play basketball, too. She's a roller derby girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she skates roller derby. She played softball. Uh, she got kicked out of school twice for fist fights. Uh, 
that was my daughter. She was yes. more of a tomboy. We lived in the Pacific Northwest, hoodies and listening to ska or screamer music. I mean, that's she was in mosh pits at 15. Oh. <laughs> that was my daughter, right? But if you look at her in a wedding dress, you're thinking, no, she's a Gaelic princess. <laughs> But she's got that in her. I couldn't imagine her doing that. Um, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I like the way you put it, that it's a performance, because we grew up in the sports world with my with my children, and I saw some parents who, if you were doing a reality TV show about the sports world, you would think, oh my God, that is horrible. There's no way I'd ever put my kid through that. Because yes. there were these helicopter moms and dads who... It just It's like they were living vicariously through this child, and this child absolutely did not want to be here. Right. There were some of those, and that's my picture of child pageantry. Well, and I will not say that that is not the case sometimes. I'm sure that a lot of times that is the case, but you can see through that on stage. The right. kids can't hide that, and you definitely, that, that shows through if they don't love what they're doing and they're not happy. Well, I think, it, you know, when I'm thinking about you, you're now an adult, you're continuing to compete. Obviously, it wasn't your case. Right. And, and the fact that there's still women out there who want it at the adult level, that's not their case either. So, obviously, there's something good going on. Absolutely. And I think that it's – I think that what you see, especially when women are a little bit older and competing in pageantry – I say that I'm 26, but I'm an adult. This is a choice. My mom would probably love if I came home and was like, I'm done. I'm never doing another pageant again. She'd probably be like, thank you. Um, but I mean, she's very proud of me and she's oh, so sure. supportive, like the most supportive person in my pageant journey. Um, but it's expensive. It's a very expensive hobby, of course. So, um, but no, I think that what you're seeing as women get a little bit older, you're seeing women who are passionate about service and this is our platform to serve others. And that's, I think that's the part that people miss. And, but that is why pageants are still, we kind of talked about or touched on this early on that's why pageants are still relevant today is this is just our way of giving back and serving and giving ourselves a bigger platform when i was in thinking about that why are they still relevant i i go to the different pageant websites and i'm sitting here thinking why am i surfing pageant websites well it's because i'm about to interview a winner and uh the sponsors that are a part of it. So, you know, you got makeup companies, clothing companies, I mean, all types of companies who are sponsoring this to make it happen. And then you find out, like you said, probably the best kept secret that they might need to work on is these are the things that this is going to support. It's not just going to bring women up here and parade them around in pretty dresses mm-hmm. and, and put them on TV. The money, a lot of this money is actually going out and supporting really good causes. Absolutely. And I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out why isn't that story being told? And hopefully we're telling that story. I mean, I I want that to be a part of the result of this podcast. I think it's a lot of the media. I mean, when they get on there, they're going to focus on the fashion. It's just like a first lady walks out. She's, she's got this great speech and a great platform for children or whatever. And all you see plastered on TV is whose dress she's wearing. Yes. Well, and another thing that I think, gives it a bad name is that media grabs hold of the negatives and runs with that instead of grabbing hold of the good in something and running with that so what is being promoted by the media is the negatives and that is the 
you know, objectification of women. And whereas I'm a competitor and I've never felt more empowered than when I'm on stage in a swimsuit after having a baby. And my child weighed 11 pounds at birth. You gotta be kidding me. No. So if I could stand here and say that I've never felt more empowered or more beautiful or more confident than when I was in a swimsuit after an 11 pound newborn, then, you know, I think that that says something. But again, it's that is different for everyone. But I, I do think that the, the media grabbing onto the negatives and running with that is a big part of. And then you have, you know, everyone, when they think of pageantry, they think of Miss America, which is no longer a pageant. And, I mean, they're more of a talent competition now. Right. So, but they no longer want to be classified as a pageant. And, you know, I think that people are grabbing hold of those little things, and that's what they run with. And so people like you who really don't have... You don't know about pageants. This no. is not your lifestyle. No. This is, you know, you know. of course, we know, but we live in our own little world of, like, rhinestones and glitter. So, Well, I, I live in a world of rhinestones and glitter uh, and sequins. Uh, once you get to know me more, you'll find out about that. <laughs> but you're right. I This is not my world. And the guys and I were talking, well, for the last couple of nights uh, about this whole idea. Yes. And specifically the Victoria's Secret show, and I and I asked him. I said, "How many of you guys are literally sitting here thinking, oh my God, I gotta be sure I'm home at eight o'clock on whenever it's airing?'" And they're all like, "That's Not. for us. It's for women, right? It's yeah, for women. Absolutely. That's that's our thing. You know, my boyfriend would not have wanted to watch that with me if I had had it on TV. And I'm sure there's. We always joke. Like I'm always like." Watch Miss USA with me. You can watch the swimsuit competition. Does that ever happen? No. No. They're not watching that. They don't care about that. So whatever Victoria's Secret wants to say in their defense, that's not what it truly is. It's for us women. And it, it may be the fantasy, but it's the fantasy that... That women have. Yes. I agree. Uh, I worked in... When I lived in the Pacific Northwest, I worked in an office filled with women. And it was funny how one of them one day said, uh, well, you know, we go through all this work just so guys can, for the approval of guys. I said, I'm the only guy that works here. And all you, so you're, you're telling me, all you women in here are competing for my approval? <laughs> and they're like, no, you're competing against each other. This isn't anything to do with me. You're all, you know, doing the whole peacock thing to, against each other. Yes. Because you guys were doing that before I started working here. Mm-hmm. And you were the only women in this office. Uh, well, you're only women working in this office. I, and that's the thing that I, I don't know, I have to remind people of from time to time. that I get that women have been subjugated. Uh, I get we have, a, we have a, a history of that in this country. And thankfully we've become more aware and women are becoming stronger and women can go and do things. Um, but let's let's be honest and put things in the proper category. And I'm glad to hear you say that you feel more empowered. You feel like Absolutely. you accomplished something, that you've got a platform that you can help and speak out and raise money. And that, that I wished, would be a story, like I said, that got told more often. Absolutely. It should be. It absolutely should be. But that's not how the media always works. So what do you think you or Miss World could do to change that we just have to keep this is kind of another thing about pageants it it kind of seems like our sport is becoming less relevant because of all the bad things that 
the media keeps grabbing hold of. And so that's that's one thing that I, is, it's just a goal for me to be consistently a positive light in the pageant world. And we need more queens that are doing that and that are active title holders and that are working every day. It's so much more than just throwing a crown on and showing up and waving somewhere. It's a lot more than that. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And and that is one reason that I stand behind the fitness aspect of things is I think that in fitness, they're looking at how hard of a worker you are. I don't really think that they're looking at who has the best body. They're just seeing who is a hard worker and and you have when once the crown goes on your head you have 365 days of just hard work ahead of you and it's it's hard sometimes I came in and I was like everyone's like how are you today I'm tired I bet I'm tired you know but I'm healthy and I'm well and I take care of myself and that's why you know I'm stay hydrated exactly and I'm two weeks into my reign but I'm going to be able to sustain the that my duties for a year because I take good care of myself and that is it's just important for us to continuously as title holders be working for the good and make sure that whatever is going out into the world is positive and that is how people are going to grab on to those good things and run with those right so what's your schedule well when does all this crazy whirlwind start well, I've kind of truly taken, I just talked about health. Now let me talk about some reality. I've given myself the month of December to um, take a take a break from the hardcore pageant diet. And um, January is when I will start as far as fitness. You're goes. not going to balloon up over December. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working out. You're not going to be doing um, like ho-hos and ding-dongs all day or I'm nothing. I'm still working out, but okay. it's nice to just be able to eat some of those foods that I'm like, where have you been all That's my right. life? I got um, carbs. Japanese food, like where has it been? So, you know, I'm giving myself a little time to like mental health break. And um, I'll start getting ready really hardcore for um, Ms. World starting in January. So right now what I'm doing is – is planning for 2019. I mean, I still have tons of appearances, and that's what I was meaning. I mean, we're all. Are they going to be flying you around? Are you going to be so right traveling now? Or? Our plans are what we know of. Things kind of come and go here and there a lot. Yeah, My directors, schedules are so yes. change. Yes, absolutely. So we're looking at New York for New York Fashion Week. There's a pageant in Australia that we're looking at being at, and. Um, there's just all kinds of things. It kind of pops up here and there. A lot of the traveling is, that's the good thing, is it's not like, okay, here's your agenda. You have to be at all these things because we're career women, and I'm a business owner. So if they handed me a schedule and they were like, well, your life is over and this is your life now, it, it would be hard, and women wouldn't be able to compete. But So that was that's where I was going. Did they do that? I mean, No, absolutely not. Did they not. come they, in and take over your life? You, you've no. now won. You've got a sponsor. you got to do this makeup shoot you gotta do this tv commercial you gotta nope. walk this runway nope they um they definitely provide really unique opportunities for us and it's up to us to run with it and make the most of our year but that is how the crown landed on my head is they have to find the woman that they can trust to work and so I'm just one of those people that when the crown landed in my arms I was like let's go I'm ready for this year to be amazing and to use every single minute to promote this organization and to promote my platform and to promote you know everything that we're doing and 
that's not always the case, and that's why I was talking about how we need active title holders in the pageant world who don't just get crowned and then fall off the face of the earth. Um, you have to have someone who's ready to work, and I mean, it's it's not a easy job always, but it's very rewarding. Okay. Yes. Uh, hopefully, they're paying. Um, we, for you to travel and do these things. There's different sponsors, and we win a cash prize at the pageant, and you know, there's different things like that. So we we're very heavily backed by sponsors, which is amazing. Okay, I, I was hoping they were going to say, "Hey, we get this opportunity in New York. Uh, it's New York Fashion Week, but yeah, you got to get your own hotel. You got to fly up there yourself." And I'm be like, "What's the point in doing this?" They take very good care of us. They're wonderful. So good, good. That's what I was hoping to hear. Yes. Uh, well. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to somebody. He said, "Be careful what you talk to her about. There might be things she can't talk about, and you don't want to have them mad at her." And I'm like, "Well, I'll try not to." <laughs> um, we veer away from religion and politics. We don't. We don't talk about. Oh, is that one of the things they told you? To yes, yeah, so I'll talk just about? smile and nod and look away from you wow. until we get somewhere else. I didn't know they had rules like that. Well, no, it's just it's just to be. It's not a rule. It's uh. just a you know the polite thing to do the more than anything you know you don't want to stir any controversy it's the etiquette it's the miss world etiquette that you have to obey here i think it's just the the whole pageant <laughs> etiquette in general not necessarily specific to any organization it's just you know we represent everyone and that's how we want it to be we want everyone we're we are your queen and that's why we we don't want to you don't want to put up walls no absolutely not because right. Even if opinions are opinions, and everyone has a different opinion, and I don't want someone to think differently of me if my opinion doesn't match theirs, because I'm open to everyone's opinion, mm-hmm. truly. So, well, and that's kind of what I try to do with this podcast. I try to talk to different people of different backgrounds, of different opinions, because what I've noticed in my life is uh, everybody's got their tribe and their identity, and and as a result, we don't take time to listen and find out the things we got in common sure it's not hard at all for me to sit here and figure out everything that we're different at and if that's all I focus on then I don't get to see the other side but if I can sit down and talk to somebody because I guarantee there's people I know especially living in the Pacific Northwest the idea of pageantry to them is the most offensive thing in the world Um, I mean they're, they're strong independent feminist women Mm-hmm. That's how they feel about it. The idea that they could sit down and maybe hear somebody from your perspective talk about it, you know, outside of the media and talk about how you're supporting these women's causes, you're doing these things, you're using this platform to reach out and talk about safety and uh, talk about violence against women. I think that tears down those walls. Yes. And that's why I like this whole podcast thing. So what kind of diet were you on? You said no Japanese food. I don't, I've never seen a lot of big Japanese people unless they're sumo wrestlers. So, I, mean, I mean, mostly just, you know. Was it a keto pro- diet? or No, I don't do keto. I mean, it is lower carb, obviously. Um, but it's high protein, you know, just a lot of protein. <laughs> like red meat? or? Uh, no, I actually can't eat red meat when I'm on my pageant diet. It's mainly... Um, turkey and chicken and then once it gets closer to pageant time it's a whole lot of fish why no red meat um i just don't think it's i'm not a nutritionist i just do what they tell me um so you have a nutritionist in general um i I love red meat well 
yeah, it's great and it tastes good. On my cheat meals, I could have red meat. Okay. Yeah, my cheat meals were like red, was like steak and green beans. I was like, that's still healthy. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's a great source of protein, especially if you're getting like grass fed or, you know, high protein, high fat. Yes. Uh, I enjoy that. I, again, I'm not a nutritionist, but uh, I Me like either. you. But so your your trainer yes. developed your diet plan. Yes. Okay. Okay. So did he have a name for it? Or I mean, folks wanted to find that diet plan and say, hey, she lost 60 pounds in like well, really, three months. Yeah. They really just changed it up. Um, we were really good about tracking my weight and my progress and where I needed more work. So my diet and my um, workout plan was constantly changing. Usually every couple of weeks I would have a new plan just to, you know, if I needed to target a different body area or anything like that, we would just change it up. So that was, it was just ever changing really. A lot of cardio, but I was doing a lot of weightlifting and that kind of changed things for me. I think that when I was younger, prior to having a child, I really just depended on the fact that I was tall and I was thin. And so I would do a lot of cardio and I wasn't doing, I wasn't weight training at all. Mm -hmm. And so that was one thing that I incorporated that really changed things for me. So, I don't know anything about it. So, they like just bench pressing, deadlift, squats? I mean, what type of kettlebells? Um, a little bit of everything, yes. So, all, all kinds of different things. I'm still weak. I'm still weak. But um, we incorporate weights. So, right. I'm, I'm getting stronger. I think that that has been the most satisfying thing of all of it is just... Like I said, I'm goal-oriented, so I like to push myself. And, um, you know, just being able to go up in weights or anything like that, it's really exciting for me. So. Well, good for you. Yeah. So, because uh, I was just curious about how, what that prep is like and what the, uh, you know, the, I, didn't know that, I didn't realize there was weight training in it, but, but that makes sense. Um, how many days a week? Usually five or six. Oh, so you've got a full schedule. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was in the midst of, like, losing all the weight, it was it was a good seven days a week. Did you, About four hours a day. Did you journal any of this or record any of this? or? Um, I mean, there are probably text messages to my personal trainer about how I felt about him. But <laughs> that's probably <laughs> Listen, recorded you somewhere. <laughs> so it was rough. I mean, it wasn't easy, but... Like I said, I set a goal for myself, and I wasn't going to cheat myself in the long run. I knew that I had to do it, and if I didn't, that I would only blame myself in the long run. So I was honestly excited about it, and it, it pushed me to get where I needed to be sooner. And I was, like I said, proud. I was able to walk on stage and be proud of myself and be proud of my progress, and that was that meant more to me than any of it. And I knew that if I walked off the stage and did not take home a crown that day, that I was already a winner because I had done so much and improved myself in a long-term way because I had gotten healthy again. And so I knew that I was a winner either way. So and then that brings up another topic, I guess. Uh, nothing pageant-related, but there's a lot of people out there who are struggling with uh, body image or weight. And I often hear, in regards to me, I'm not a large man. My brother uh, weighs more than I do. My dad was a large man. I somebody came up to me the other day and showed me a picture of myself, and they're like, "Is this you?" And I was like, probably seventy pounds heavier than I am right now. Well, yeah, that was me. Yeah. And the problem that I get is, well, the frustration I get is people come up to me and say, "Well, it's easy for you. What, what, what's easy for me? Well, stay skinny. 
or to lose weight. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't easy. Uh, I quit drinking sodas. I started moving more. I, I stopped eating certain things. I started eating certain things. So it's not easy for me. I had a, I had a why, and my why was my health. Yes. Now, I do have some other vices that I need to work on. I enjoy those. Uh, <laughs> but... My goal was my health. That was my why. Your mm-hmm. why was you wanted to compete and yes. get back to be your best. Um, I think that's what's missing with a lot of people. They just don't have that why. Yeah, I think that, like I said, I entered myself in the pageant because I needed the extra motivation. I wanted to lose weight. But, you know, if I got off at 6 o'clock that night and didn't really feel like going to the gym, I didn't have a reason that I had to you go had to the deadline. gym. You had a deadline. Yeah, exactly. And when I put a date to it, that changed everything. It, I mean, it changed everything. And I was just a lot more motivated. And, and that, but that's how I am. I'm goal-oriented. If I have an end goal, I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. Uh, the podcast I was listening to, I keep talking about these podcasts, but this one guy said that uh, he, he puts unrealistic dates on his goals. Uh, he was a, he's a pastor. Uh, his sermon gives him on Sunday – his sermon, in his mind, has to be finished by noon on Wednesday. And he said, but I do that because then that gives me Thursday and Friday to do the other things I need to do in ministry. So if I can get my sermon done by noon on Wednesday. And he said, I've never missed that deadline. Yes. Uh, but I like the idea of saying, okay, here's my date. Here's my goal. Now, would you say you should set an unrealistic goal? I mean, was your goal to lose, I think, would you say 60 or 80 pounds? I didn't have a, a number to it, really. Um, there wasn't a, I mean, there was, in theory, there was probably a number that I wanted to reach as far as um, where my weight was, but that wasn't as important as just being able to be confident on stage because I would rather be a healthy and toned 140 pounds than a, you know, Sickly, skinny, 120-pound girl. You know, I wanted to look healthy, and I didn't know what number that was for me at that time. So the number wasn't as important. I just really put my trust in my trainer's hands and was just like, let's go. Let's make this happen. And um, So you guys doing supplements or shakes or? Um, some supplements, a lot of shakes. I mean, and I don't remember even what they are. I know I was doing like three shakes a day and um and now I'm able to really do it on my own I don't work specifically with a trainer anymore because I I know what to do to get me there occasionally I'll buy like a workout plan from you know online trainers basically um so I don't have to work with anyone now just because I've I've done it and I know how to get where I need to be and um and to do it the right way so well I would I like that and I like that self-motivation and being but don't just totally discount the help that trainers can give you. I mean, no, because your of body, not. you're you're going to be getting older, and mm-hmm. you you have other concerns, and and you know just go back. It's always, I mean, even Tiger Woods has a coach. Absolutely. You know, so of course I have no one. Uh, I'm telling you that, but. Uh, <laughs> But in in the sense of competing, like I said, this is our sport, and so we do have to seek help from people who have more knowledge about different areas than. Okay, so we talked about the physical area, Mm -hmm. the health area. What other areas are you seeking help from? Are you getting, like, speech coaches? Are you getting singing coaches? 
Um, well, another area of competition that I have to compete for, obviously, is interview. And it does require a lot of, you know, interview prep. And a lot of that you can do on your own. And it's, you know, your personal platform. So I'm getting in interview experience every time I'm in a school system working with kids. I'm getting interview experience sitting here talking to you. And, you know, I, I try to take any public speaking opportunity that comes my way. Because even if I act silly, which I typically do, um, it's still experience. And public speaking used to be terrifying for me. So I've come a long way in that area. I, I tell people all the time, I am a wild card. Like you just, I never know what I'm going to say. You never just know. just exciting for you, right? It, exactly. It's, it, I tell my mom that all the time. I'm like, interview, I love the interview portion of the competition. I'm like, but I'm a wild card. Sometimes I'm just as surprised as they are as what just came out of my mouth. So um, that is one area of competition that... I prep a lot for and there are a lot of interview coaches in this area I I prepare now by doing things like this I'm you know on a podcast I get better at doing stuff by doing it yes exactly and that's and mock interviews are huge they a lot of pageant people set up mock interviews for us so that we can go in with five completely random people and be interviewed and they'll give us their feedback and they'll tell us what they think we need to work on and that is what benefits me the most I want that job yeah, I have a hard time. For some reason, I have a really hard time working with an interview coach where they are just shooting questions at me. For some reason, I cannot answer them, and I just laugh and act silly. So mock interviews and actual real-life speaking opportunities is what has benefited me the most. Yeah, I. Uh, so can I ask you my favorite pageant question of all time? Oh, goodness. Here we go. You ready? I don't know. And we'll see if you get this reference. Describe the perfect date. Oh my goodness. Of course, Miss Congeniality. <laughs> I actually won. I won Miss Congeniality at the Miss United States. Wait, there, there, that's an actual thing? Yes, yes. Of you course. didn't answer the question. I know. <laughs> not today. That is the answer to that question. Um, not today is the answer. Um, I was told she's probably not going to get that reference. Oh, I, thought, I, I totally God, get that reference. God, she better get that reference. Yes, that I is. I would have been in so much trouble with my children and even my ex-wife if I didn't ask you that question. <laughs> my um, son was born April 25th. Oh. And so that's why it's always been a joke in our family. So. It's, we call that National Pageant Day now. Well, you should. Yes, that's, that's our National Pageant Day. Um, but I did. I'm actually really proud of this. I won Miss Congeniality at the Miss, Uni Miss United States pageant this summer. And I'm proud of that because the Miss United States pageant is the pageant that Miss Congeniality was based off of. Oh, so really? She's beauty and she's grace. She's Miss Congeniality. <laughs> do they say that? Yes. They we, do? We, I mean, the contestants do. We oh, take that I didn't know if seriously. that was something they were doing on stage and they do. They come out and do that song. Does William, has William Shatner ever actually no. hosted that one? <laughs> why why haven't so. they brought him in to host it? Just, I think they probably don't want to bring the mockery. They're probably thinking they don't want to. No, I think that would be pretty iconic. And they're moving it back to Vegas this year. So, perfect timing. Are you going to go compete again? No. Okay. Um, I'm happy. Well, you, well, and that's my question. I guess that's a, I didn't think about this. If you're holding a title, can you compete for an opposing title or no. a different title? No. So, um, okay. most pageants have a contract, um, but basically it's my obligation to get ready for Ms. World. Stay devoted to this one. Yes. Get ready for Ms. World. Absolutely. So that is where all my time and energy and focus is going towards is becoming your next Ms. World. Wow. So you won Miss Congeniality. Yes. I was very proud of that, too, because that is something that 
the judges only spend a few moments with you and interview and then they see you on stage all the women are beautiful on stage so you know connecting with them in interview is huge but the Miss Congeniality title is voted on by the other contestants so to know that the other contestants you know, thought you were nice and that you were supportive and that you were encouraging and voted you into that spot. I think that that's really special. So that is, it is. And I was just like, you know, that I like sobbed. I, there's probably pictures. I ugly cried on stage over winning Miss Congeniality. Just you didn't do the fan so, thing. I don't think I did the fan thing, but it, it was just, I don't know. It was just so unexpected. I mean, obviously I was nice. I just, and I'm always nice to the other contestants. It just, I wasn't expecting that. And it was really sweet that they voted me for that award. Oh, I didn't know that. So what is it like? Is it, is it pageant week? Or I mean, what's that like? So, so you get there on Monday. What happens? For, for this pageant that I just won Miss US World, I flew in on a Thursday. No flew in Friday and we didn't actually have to be there till Saturday night so my roommate and I I was rooming with a girl from Georgia and I flew in she got there a few hours later we spent that night just kind of hanging out at the resort and we had dinner and the next day is when all the contestants started showing up we had orientation that night but Reno is a very small city so we just kind of took Reno by foot and did the touristy thing all day and took tons of pictures um and then that night was our orientation. So that night we had orientation, got to meet all the other contestants for the very first time, which when you've known all these women on Facebook for so long, you know, the whole time that's been leading up to the pageant, you already feel like you know them and you're just finally in a room face to face with them. Oh my them. God, it's you. Exactly. It's just like the I hugging. I love your pictures. Are... The hugging and taking pictures. Oh, and Batman all that. looks so cute. Oh, yes. My son is Batman. <laughs> um, She's got a picture of him on her Facebook uh, where she's holding him. He's wearing a Batman costume. I'm assuming that was for Halloween or is it just yes. like every day? Well, both. <laughs> right. He's a superhero every day. So, um, but that happened on Saturday night. Sunday, we had our interview. Well, we woke up and had rehearsals that morning. And then we had our interview competition. And that night, the director took all of us to this. Um, it was like a holiday show there at the resort. So, you know, the little Vegas-like shows, but it was a Reno show. And it was amazing just to have that downtime yeah. with the other contestants. So the next morning was pageant day. We woke up, we had rehearsals, and then we showed back up and we did the pageant. So this was actually a shorter pageant week. Week. It was more of a pageant weekend. But okay. I, it was so much more relaxing with it being a little bit shorter. So I really enjoyed that. It, I have usually had to compete for a national pageant, and it's like a week-long ordeal. And by the end, honestly, you're just exhausted, and you're ready to go I don't home. care if I want. I just want to go. Absolutely. You're like, I, at this point, I just want donuts, you know. <sighs> and my mom, I already said that she's the best pageant mom in the world, and she is. But my mom would always have a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, like, underneath her chair in the audience, ready for me. Because, as soon as it's over. Because if you lose and you have a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, did you really lose? No. No, I don't think so either. So she was always there for me with the donuts. My mom did not get to travel with me to Ms. U.S. World, so I did not have donuts waiting on me. So it's a really good thing I won. <laughs> well, I like the idea, and you just said it, and it reminded me of what you said earlier. Uh, the fact that you got to the stage, mm-hmm. uh, you've already won. Yeah. Even if you lose. And that was the, there's that man in the arena speech. I think it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt's man in the arena speech. I don't know if you ever read it. Uh, you should Google it and read that. But it's basically saying, you know, don't 
Don't pay attention to the guy in the stand who's scoffing because you lost. You got in the arena. Mm -hmm. you, you engaged in the competition. And, yeah, you were first runner-up. And, yeah, you can say, hey, if you ain't first, you're last. They're, they're cute little sayings, but you got in there. Yeah. Even if you didn't even place, you got in there, and most of the people sitting at home who's running their mouth about it wouldn't even try to get in there. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I try to raise my kids with, and that's what I try to, you know, I, I'm not around a lot of women, young women anymore, but uh, a couple of years ago I was because I was the announcer for a roller derby. You ever been to roller derby? Mm -mm. Oh, we got to go. Okay. You got <laughs> You'll have to let me know. <laughs> it's, uh, I will. There's a, there's a team in Knoxville. Okay. Um, so sometimes they're at the college in Maryville, but there's a team in Knoxville called the Hard Knox Roller Girls. Wow. And it's women from 18 to, I don't know about that team, but if you just take roller derby as a whole, there's women from 18 to 60 in some cases that are in there skating that's crazy and there's women who are fit and thin and there's women who are built like a refrigerator and they're all in there they all love each other they're i've never seen anything more supportive mm -hmm. among women uh more more empowering um, i've never experienced what you've experienced but just watching these women come in there and they have a thing called roller derby save my soul is a saying among it and basically it's just these women who were just down and out and they not, not in every case, but, you know, you get these couple of women who are down and out, going through a bad relationship or abusive relationship or they were just whatever, and they got into roller derby. They got into this competing. They got into this community. It's a beautiful thing. That's why I think you would love it. Mm -hmm. You should just go watch it. Uh, if you're athletic, it might be something you're like, give me some quad skates <laughs> and some knee pads. I think that in pageants we – I think that there is also kind of a negative connotation to this, um, to the – contestant in the competition yeah i think mindset. it must be if you're going to ask me what do you think uh they're like i'd say oh they're very catty and backstabbing yeah and i think that people really do think that and in reality it's not like that at all and i think that we really i personally don't even look at the other contestants as my competition but mm -hmm. we definitely try to i'm my biggest competition right truly because it does. You never know on a day-to-day -day basis how I'm going to perform. And on any given day, a different girl could have been crowned. And the judges could have had a different opinion. If With a different panel of five judges, there could have been a different winner. And so that's, it's. I think a lot of it has to do with timing. But I think that the contestants, we really do a good job about embracing a community over competition mindset. And I, at the pageant this weekend, or a few weekends ago, they were just saying, is there going to be somebody backstage to zip our dresses? And it was like, we can do that for each other. I mean, we don't need somebody back here. Like, we can help each other. And that is how it truly is. I guess with women and just with people in general, there's always personalities that don't mesh well, and that's fine. But I've never been in a situation where I was like, wow, you know, those were the mean girls or anything like that. Like, everyone is so supportive and uplifting and just amazing overall. And... And that's what I kind of, I try to embrace that even after the fact. You know, I'm sure that a lot of people were hurt the day that the pageant happened. But those women who hold state titles are so crucial to my reign and to my success. I actually reached out to them yesterday and was just kind of saying like, hey, ladies, you know, December 
is almost here. You know, what plans do you have? Like, what are you doing in your state right now mm-hmm. to make a difference in the world? Because I don't want them to go home and sit down and give up because they didn't win the national crown because they're so important to me and they're important to the entire organization. And I can't be successful unless they are successful. So I think that that is a huge part of it too, is just making sure. and. And the other thing is they're all so accomplished. They are so accomplished. They've done so much in their lives, and they also have powerful stories that need to be told. So that's actually something um, that you can kind of look for coming soon on my Facebook page is that I'm going to be doing some Facebook Lives with each of the contestants because I want their stories to be heard. And their story is completely unique and different and it's a story that I can't tell. So now that Facebook has that really nifty um, feature where we can do a Facebook Live and bring in people uh, Facebook from Watch, yeah. So um, that's going to be something that is coming to my Ms. U.S. World 2019 Ashley Ingram Facebook page is I'm going to start promoting these women's stories because I want to give them the platform to tell the story that they would have told if they had been Ms. U.S. World. So, and I hope that all those women come back next year and compete for the crown again because they were all amazing. I mean, it definitely was anybody's ball game. It was, it was. That's a very humbling way to look at it and uh, very uh, inspirational. Yeah. That humbling in the sense that, hey, anybody could have won. Yeah, absolutely. It could have been a totally different day. One mm-hmm. judge could have made an entirely different difference. It could have been a day longer, and I could have done something. It could have been. It's, it's very I'm a humbling. wild card. I told you, I'm a wild card. <laughs> it's a wild card. Yeah, you never know what I'm going to do. So it was, I'm thankful that the judges saw something in me, and they thought that, you know, they knew that the crown could be trusted in my hands and that I really had a you know, I had the motivation and I'm, I'm ready to take off running with this crown and do great things this year. So I'm thankful that I was the one that they chose. But with a different panel of judges, it could have been another girl. Well, it's inspiring, too, that you're also looking at it like, okay, how do I help these other girls? Mm-hmm. What can I do to help them? And I love the idea of trying to get their stories out there. Yes. I think that, was that me? Probably me. It was me. I thought I turned that off. Notification. I love the idea of trying to get their stories out there, which is, again, what I'm trying to do with this podcast is because people have stories that you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some national known podcasts that are interviewing these great celebrities and, and people that are highly accomplished. And the thing I like about that is you're getting to find out who they really are. You're getting to dig deeper into them. The thing I like about mine is... I'm taking an average person uh, who come from a small town, who's worked very hard at something, who's had their failures in life and had their successes and, and just trying to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Um, one was a yoga teacher. Right? My yoga teacher, we were just talking, and I had her on the podcast recently. I've had, well, my mom, after my dad passed away, I had her, had her on the podcast. And just letting people get into that real life, because oftentimes all we hear about is the glitz and the glamour, mm-hmm. the popular people. You being able to sit down with these girls and do a Facebook Live or Facebook Watch video or even setting up a podcast and interviewing them via Skype or talking to them like we are and letting them get their story out there and talk about their platform is empowering. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope great success at that thank you I'm excited and you know I just want them they have unique stories to tell that I can never tell and they've overcome so much like each and every one of them has overcome something in their lives that it needs to be shared and it's going to touch different people in different ways than Mm -hmm. just 
my individual story can. Right. You're absolutely right, especially when they hear it from somebody else's perspective. I mean, it's something that maybe you've never experienced. Like earlier you are talking about you didn't feel right wanting to represent the uh, violence against women. Yes. Uh, I thought that was very humbling as well because, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't do it and do it well. Just and the, I'm going to do it. Right. I'm absolutely going to do it, and I'm going to step into my role to educate women on this. But I think that I knew that there were contestants that deserved that now as a title that were closer to the issue and that, you know, the, the magnitude of that issue is just huge in our society, and that's why the Me Too movement has really just caught wind and just it's people have ran with it. So... Um, I knew that there were delegates that were really going to do amazing things with that title, whereas I'm going to stand, since I don't have that personal story, I think that all women have been affected to some degree. Correct. Whether a mother, a sister, a friend, Mm -hmm. you may may not have personally dealt with an action against you personally. Yes, but we're all touched by that in some way. And I knew there were women that were closer to it that really deserved that title. And, and there is. There's a wonderful you know, woman in that position now that's going to do great things with that. And I'm going to do my part educating and raising funds for Nauza as well. So it, and you know, help getting her story out there. Absolutely. And now I get to, I get to help. I get to, do, you know, I get to do both. And that's really amazing. So I'm excited about partnering with Lydia um, and taking Nauza to the next level this year. Where does Lydia live? Lydia lives in New York. Oh. Moving in with you, Lydia. <laughs> I was going to say, if she's close, I'll get her on my podcast. I know. No, Lydia's in New York. She's doing amazing, amazing things. So. Yeah, that, that is amazing. Uh, congratulations to you. Thank you so much. I'm still so excited. I'm still like a giddy five-year-old, and I... I know that night I kept telling people, I just kept looking around and I was like, oh my goodness, all these girls have beautiful crowns. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I have one too. So that was crazy. The uh, moment, the final moment. <laughs> How did I feel? What was it like? What took place? I mean, okay. You, okay, you, so what You all come out on stage, you're wearing what, evening gowns? Mm-hmm. So what happened? Um... They actually give side awards. They give the Congeniality Award, and they gave a Photogenic Award. And then there were three awards. One was for interview, one was for fitness, and one was for evening gown. And, you know, how our score works is interview's 30%, fitness is 30%, evening gown is 30%. So there's 90% of your score. And then the last 10% is for onstage question. There's no award for onstage question. It happens at the very, very end, and then you come out and they do crowning. So there's no award for that. But they started to call the interview award, and they called me forward and said that I had won the interview award. And they were like, but don't go. You won the fitness award and the evening gown award as well. Oh, wow. And so in my head, I'm just like... Is it mathematically possible that I've even lost this pageant at this point? And I was so confused, and I was just standing there like, did I win? Can somebody just tell me if I won? Because that's 90% of the score that they've just given me the awards for. And then I had to go stand back in line, and I'm I'm looking at the two women beside me, and I'm just like, did I win? And then they had to start crowning the Nauza ambassador and the Miss U.S. World ambassador and our international title holder. Mm And then the Ms. World, Ms. U.S. World Elite, which is our 40 and up title. And so I'm standing there all this time, and I'm just like, 
I'm already crying because I'm like, did I win? And I knew that one of two things was about to happen. I was going to win or I had won all of this and I was still going to lose. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is about to happen? And in pageantry, you have not won until a crown is on your head. Right. And you may still not have won at that point if Steve Harvey is your... (laughs) (laughs) So we won't give him a hard time today. No, give him a hard time. He deserved it. I think he handled that well, too. He handled it very well. But um, that's probably my worst nightmare um, is something like that happening. So I was just standing there in complete shock. And when I was standing in the final two, mind you, at this point, the live feed completely dropped. Um, The phone that they were doing the Facebook Live from actually died as soon as they said, you know, the final two, please step forward. I was wondering why I couldn't find any videos on this. Yes. So the phone died. So my whole family at home did not, and all of my watchers, I had, I'm from a small town, so I had a ton of support here at home because everyone knows me. Um, Nobody knew what happened. So as soon as, you know, I won, I was... It's really kind of funny. It it is... (laughs) Terrible, terrible luck, but um, it's terribly funny. It is so. That was, I just see them on a, what? Yes, so they're all watching. They're like in the final two. Please step forward. Broadcast interrupted, <laughs> and so nobody knew if I had won or not. But I was in complete shock and just kept asking everyone around me what just happened, and kept touching my crown. I was like, "What is happening?" Um, but it, it was just like all those years of hard work had ended you know, in that moment. So it was, it was really good. Good. It's still overwhelming to think about. I could cry. I'm a crier. So, so the the pictures are solid. You're very made up. Yes. I think you look better like this. (laughs) Thank you. By the way, (laughs) Uh. you have to be a little bit more drastic on stage. You're very far away from the judges. So everything's a little bit, um, over the board. Yes. It's, it's, I mean, the hair, I thought, are we back in the 80s? Is this a glamour (laughs) shot? Yeah. I don't mean that to be mean. No, no, I understand. Um, Do they do your hair and makeup, or do you do it? I had a hair and makeup artist, yes. Okay. Yes, so I had had a Seattle-based hair and makeup team that was actually two of them. One did my hair, one did my makeup, and I just, it's one of those things that I don't like to have to, I can I can probably do my makeup. I don't really want to fool with having to do my hair at a pageant because I get too stressed out. So it's just nice to kind of have that in someone else's hands. It's one less thing for me to worry about, and they'll take care of it. They'll be at Ms. World with me, too. Good for you. <laughs> yes. Um, that's, uh, that's what I was wondering. What about the gowns and the w- clothing wear? What do you... So actually, How do you source that? Are you sponsored? I mean, what? Um, well, actually, I model for Jonathan Kane, who is, he's a Project Runway designer. So if you've heard his name, you've, he's been on Project Runway twice, I think. Um, he's actually based in Nashville. So okay. I actually model for him at Atlanta Markets. And so I, I always try to wear Jonathan because his gowns him as a person he's just a phenomenal human being and I absolutely love him and so when I wear his gowns I just I'm promoting him and and I've never felt more beautiful than I do in a Jonathan Cain gown so I and and it's partially my job to wear his gowns well so I know I can wear them well on stage so I, I get to try out his gowns when I model for him in Atlanta and that's usually where I choose my gowns he actually made a custom green gown for me that I wore to Miss United States this summer and then I wore like the icy blue dress that you saw in the pictures that I wore this time. It was a beautiful gown. It was beautiful and I won best gown so. It was a beautiful gown. I I did look at that. I think that's the one where you're kind of sitting and it's flowing out. Yes. 
Right. I was just like, wow, that is a nice gown. Yeah, so he's my wardrobe guy. I definitely put my wardrobe in his hands. Um, for fitness, I just had to wear a fitness outfit. Yeah, so yoga pants and a skirt. Exactly. Right. So um, that was kind of different for me. Typically, it's swimsuit. So that was, I mean, that was brand new to me. And that was that was definitely a challenge that I faced in this pageant was not being able to fully wrap my head around you know, I'm not in six inch heels. I'm wearing tennis shoes on stage and I'm not in a swimsuit. I'm in like a tank top and a tennis skirt. So that was very different for me, but it was, it was very good. And I mean, they're judging you on confidence more than anything. So. Well, I think there's a lot to that. When you were talking earlier about think of it more as these kids are learning to perform. Yes. There's a lot to uh, being able to show confidence on stage. Mm Mm-hmm. Remember when my son was getting to the theater? That was my th- one of the things I was trying to tell him. You, look, you just got to own it. Yes. Because uh, you can tell if you don't own it. Mm-hmm. I could, you could sit there and stay in the audience. And you can look at somebody and say, they're not comfortable. They're hating this. Yes. He's got a great stage presence, by the way. But, um, and I think that that's a key thing is, sure, if, if I see you come out in this outfit and I can tell that you are just not loving it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to bode well for me right. as a judge. And I've never judged anything like that. But if they come out there and, and they love it, I think you said that you had the option there to wear a swimsuit? No. Okay. You could not wear a swimsuit. but um, You could wear fitness wear. Yes. But something that you're comfortable with. Exactly. And I think that it's really neat because you can be as covered or, you know, uncovered as you want to be. You know, some women wore sports bras. I was wearing a tank top and then there were women in the athletic jackets that zipped up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was wearing a skirt. Some of the girls were wearing shorts and some of the women were wearing full yoga pants, mm-hmm. but they weren't being judged on that. They were being judged on how confident they were in whatever they chose to wear. So I think that that was that really... That would make it more difficult, wouldn't it? Um, no. I don't I, think so. I mean, so. more difficult for you to decide what to wear you had a lot of options there were a lot of options there um but i i chose a skirt just because i felt like more people would wear yoga pants or shorts and i i always want to be different so you know that was my thought process in choosing to wear a skirt okay but here's my question Mm -hmm. this is a fitness wear competition yes you're wearing a skirt do you work out in a skirt it's a tennis skirt. Oh, okay. Yeah, it okay. was a tennis skirt. Okay. So, so some people I do. That. I'm I just don't. sitting there. I'm imagining you in there trying to lift weights in no. a skirt or doing. Uh, no, no, but it's a tennis skirt. So maybe you know, skirts are Nike. different than what I think they are because I'm. <laughs> it was Nike, so it had, of course, it had shorts underneath it. It was a skirt, technically. Got it. Yes. Okay. So you know, I just was looking for kind of something unique in that area, and you know, they make tennis dresses as well, so. I wasn't going to wear a dress, but that was an option that was there. It was, of course, to wear a dress if I wanted to. Um, but I kind of looked at all options and tried to take a different path just because I wanted to stand out. Good. Do they have a talent portion here? No. Okay. So actually in pageantry, they went, and technically since they're not a pageant anymore, I guess it doesn't count, but Miss America is the one that still does talent. And some other um, pageant systems have an optional talent competition, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Miss America is really the only one who still has a talent competition. Because I just imagine girls going out there, you know, 30-something years old, twirling batons. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Yeah. Well, no, we don't do talent. <laughs> do I t- actually, I competed in the Miss America organization um, when I was 18. Wow. 18, 19, maybe a little when I was 20. Just on the local level, I did not go to Miss America, and I didn't compete in the Miss Tennessee State pageant either. Um, that was where I was first runner-up in just about every local prelim that I did. And um, I sang, and once I stopped competing in the Miss America organization, I realized how um, – it was just an added stress for me personally. Because now, of the talent. Yes. Okay. Because I, I was never going to be the best singer on stage. I'm definitely not the worst, but there's always going to be someone better than me. Yeah and, yeah. and singing is so subjective. It is. It absolutely is. And I mean, it has so much to do with... Once you get to good, yes. it's subjective. Right. And... It's not when it's bad. It has so much to do with your song choice and this and that. And there were so many different factors. And when I started, you know, when I started, when I kept competing and I was no longer having to prepare for the looming um, talent portion of the competition, I started really having fun again. And, but some girls compete in the Miss America organization simply for that talent competition. They have an extraordinary talent and that's what they love to do. So I think that in the pageant world, I said that, you know, it's not for everyone. And I do truly believe that. But I also think you have to kind of find your home in the pageant world. And not every system is going to fit you and your beliefs and your goals. And and that was kind of how it was for me. The Miss America organization was not it for me. And I found my home in the United States organization. And the United States organization led me here. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize how many different organizations there were. Yeah. There's, I mean, there are, you know, the main ones that you hear a lot, Miss USA, Miss United States, Miss America, um, they're all up there, the Miss World organization. Miss Universe. Yes. Well, and Miss USA goes to Miss Universe, right. just like Miss US World goes to Miss World. Um, so, And people also kind of get that mixed up. But it's one of those things that, it, you know, it's important to us. It's not important to your everyday person. They don't know the difference. And I didn't. I, and I, I was ignorant. Well, when I was Miss Tennessee, United States, when Miss America or Miss USA would come on TV, people would be like, well, where are you? And I was like, United States. I'm going to Miss United States. So, you know. See, and that, I saw that. And when I saw him say United States, I thought, okay, wait, well, there's got to be a difference. It's not the, what's the other one called? Miss America one. Is it just Miss Tennessee? Or? Yes. They, okay. they just kind of go by Miss Tennessee. Okay. Um, That's what I was Wait a minute. Is there two different? And then I started down that rabbit hole, and it is a rabbit hole. <laughs> it is a rabbit hole. <laughs> it is a rabbit hole. If you're not, if you're not versed in that world, it is definitely a rabbit hole. Well, uh, <laughs> and yeah. it's still very confusing. I mean, it, it's very confusing. Well, and then you know, I'm trying to figure this out to get ready for the podcast, which <clears throat> normally I don't try to do a lot of prep. Right. It's better that way, probably. It is. I normally don't try to do a lot of prep, and I didn't do a lot here, but. I, you know, I, I don't know what to ask if I don't know what to ask. Exactly. And so I thought, well, let's just find out. Are they all catty, backstabbing skanks? Or, or, you know, is, is the, it all child helicopter moms, honey, boo-boo? I just want to know, and I'm glad you come on here to dispel the myths. Yes. Well, I will say... You know, I have my core group of friends that I've had since high school and, of course, my core group of friends that I met in college. But my other best friends in this world are all women that I've met in pageantry. I meant to bring that up earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you stayed in contact with a lot of these women? Oh, yes. I mean, oh. they. a lot of them are still my best friends that I talk to every single day. And... Um, and there are some that you connect with better than others. That's just... That's just life. That's just life. Um, I, I haven't had any that I, I 
didn't like or anything like that. Just we didn't click as well as, and a lot of it also has to do with, you're typically in alphabetical order, so every single thing you do, I'm around Texas and South Carolina and, you know, those states, so those are usually the girls that I click really well with because I've spent a week with them, you know, everybody get in alphabetical order, so I'm, let me go back here with Texas and South Carolina and South Dakota, you know, so, you know, that plays a huge part in it too, is just, you know, where you're at. It's who you're with. Yeah, it really is, and, you know, but we've I've made some of the absolute best friends through pageantry and you know like I said still talk to them on a daily or weekly basis so somehow or another Mm -hmm. you're still talking to them I guess through Facebook groups or um yeah we just you know Facebook Instagram everything we're we're probably more Instagram but we definitely definitely stay in touch with those ladies and I like to follow what they're doing like I said people the women who do pageants are women who strive for excellence in all areas of life so even if they're not doing pageants anymore they're doing big things in their lives so I like to watch what they're doing in their careers and if they are still competing in pageants what they're doing and you know how their families are doing and everything so it's it's really neat and it's kind of nice knowing that I pretty much have a couch to sleep on in every state in the country that is nice knowing it is nice to know that I mean I pretty much have a couch in every state it is nice. So that's a unique thing. That's right. If I'm broke down, I can call somebody. Yeah. I, I know last year I was kind of looking at going to Utah and I was like texting all my pageant friends from Utah and I was like, I may be there in January. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's really neat how you've, I've made these friends all across the country and they're women that I would have never met in my life if it hadn't been. In no for, other world. Mm-mm. Nope. That's that's what I tell people that I like about roller derby because you got women from such a diverse background. Yes. Uh, I'm, literally, I've met doctors who skate and girls who are just trying to make it uh, through life working at a coffee shop mm-hmm. uh, with a kid. And in and, and no other world would these girls have come together yes. and loved each other. Now, they're a more diverse group because, I mean, like I said, you have girls who are tatted up, atheists, feminists and you get these conservative christian women but they absolutely love each other right and they will go to the mat for each other and in no other world would they ever met and built that relationship and, and i think that's an interesting point that you make here with these pageant ladies that you have these highly competitive mm-hmm. i would say uh very goal oriented very driven women who typically like i said the stereotype is very catty or whatever there's more other words but they love each other to death and they're mm-hmm. for each other you've built we a great do. bond i see that's another story that needs to get out there i know it really is it's it's very special and and what we do is unique and a lot of people don't understand it and i'm aware of that i'm so aware of that <laughs> especially you know a lot of people associate it with the kids and they're like you're you're 26 like why are you wearing a crown is it your birthday are you getting married i'm like no, <laughs> you know, so I understand that it's something that's very unique and that a lot of people don't understand and a lot probably never will. But um, it's something that it's where I have found my purpose and where I can really be the best version of myself, because that's what it takes to do well in pageantry is just showing up and being the best you that you can be in all areas of your life. So I never feel better about, you know, where I'm at physically, mentally, all of that, spiritually, than when I'm ready to compete for a pageant because I have been working on myself so hard and I know that I'm ready. Ms. World, Robbie Canner, 
um, actually told me that when she was preparing for Ms. World this summer, she said, I prepared so well that it, I could have fallen flat on my face and done it gracefully. And I was like, you go, girl. <laughs> like, you go. So she is incredible. And, you know, just thinking that I'm competing to be, like, stand into her place is just crazy to wrap my head around because she is a phenomenal human being and she's just doing amazing things as well. So, and she's in Australia. So, mm-hmm. um, I saw a news video of her. I didn't watch it. I just saw it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna come back and watch that later. But that again was when I was doing my res. What I don't want to use the word research. That again was when I was just, you know, thumbing around trying mm-hmm. to figure out what this was. <laughs> um, I didn't know if that was associated with you. Yes. It's the same organization or what. So, I'll have to go back and watch that video. Yes. I'll link to it in the show notes. Not this one. This one's live. Nobody's watching, but that's okay. I didn't want them to because I want to go back and see if this works. <laughs> and then... They can go back and watch us. Right. Well, and it, so evidently what I'm doing is I'm streaming live onto my YouTube channel. I didn't tell nobody I was going to stream live on my YouTube channel. I didn't put a link up anywhere that I'm streaming live on my YouTube channel because I want to go watch my YouTube channel <laughs> and see if this works. Yes. I don't even know if we're getting sound. So I hooked oh. this up to go do that. I'm getting sound here. Yes. So I don't know if it's syncing there. So this is really just a test. Well, I'm um, glad that I could have been here for the test version. Yeah. We need more of you in it. Less of me. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. I talked to one guy. He's got a camera. And he's like, yeah, no, I'll come record it for you. And I thought, well, then i got to get the video from him. i got to upload it. And probably easier to upload it if I stream it versus getting on Wi-Fi and trying to upload that big video. Well, you file. may have learned a new trick. So I may have. You may have learned a new trick. I may have. And if I did, I'm going to be thoroughly excited. That'll be awesome. Yes. I'll be excited. And you'll be the first. Yay. The uh, son's four years old. Yes. What's his name? His name is Jansen. So Jansen. Jansen. What, yeah. Where'd you get that? That's such a peculiar name. Yeah. Well, I'm an Ashley and I did not want my child to have a, and nothing wrong with the name Ashley. It's just my name was so common. I remember when I was in eighth grade English, there were like six of us in the same class and our uh, teacher put us all in one row. Alphabetical and there order. <laughs> put us all in the same row. So we were sitting like back to back or, you know front to back and um there was a boy named Robert that would sit in the back and he'd say hey Ashley and we'd all turn around <laughs> and I was just like I'm not doing that to my child I love Robert <laughs> I know right I Robert, love Robert Robert was a hoot so <laughs> he was he was always like the class clown potential so he um it drove me crazy and I wanted out of that class so bad because there were so many of us so I, I just knew that I would never um give my child a, a basic name like mine um so, yeah, I just really wanted something unique, and I fell in love with it. And I really don't even know how I came across well, that Well, that was name. my next question. How did you find the name Jansen? I don't how do you spell know. it? J-A-N-Z-E-N. Okay. Yes. So there's a name Jansen, J-A-N-T-Z-E-N. I know that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beach in Portland, Oregon. Yes. Jansen Beach. It's a shopping mall area now. Uh so I know that, so I didn't know if that's, well, that's what you That's how most people pronounce his name, even though it's not technically correct. But, um, yeah, after I named him that, uh, there was like a, there was a family like in Etowah that said that they had a Jansen, and then one of our family friends <laughs> had a stepson named Jansen. So there, there are a couple. It's definitely not like I formulated a brand new name. Does it have a meaning? Yeah. No, I mean, it might. I, I didn't know if you looked it up. <laughs> no. I don't know if you... 
So that what's it mean? I didn't. So we did that with my daughter. Uh, we named my daughter Kaylee. Mm-hmm. I spell it K-A-Y-L-E-A. And uh, lo and behold, she starts getting in school, <clears throat> and we find all these girls named Kaylee. Mm-hmm. And they're all spelled different. Yes. All of them are spelled different. But I did have one instance where uh, she was in elementary school, and her linguistic teacher, the teacher who teaches you how to use language, informed my daughter that she was mispronouncing her name, that it should be Kalia. And uh, my daughter come and said something to me about it, and she was a little upset about this. You know, she was a young little girl, so anything upset her. So I called the principal, and I'm talking to the principal, and she said, uh, well, Mr. Bridwell, I'm sure you can understand this confusion. I mean, the L-E-A at the end of her name. I said, no, I don't. I, don't, I do not eat mashed potatoes and peas. I don't drink a glass of tea, and a whale doesn't swim in the sea. I can't think of one word in the English vocabulary that ends in E-A that's pronounced e e yes. I can't think of one. That's so funny. And I said, and furthermore, I'm the dad. <laughs> I if, named her that. If I spell her name Q-R-T and pronounce it Kaylee, I'm right. And uh, she's like, okay, Mr. Bridwell. And so she never had that problem in that school again, but my daughter would after that when she'd write me a note sometimes, she'd sign it Q-R-T. <laughs> How funny. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that someone would say that to a child. But Well, that was that one got me. Yes. Uh, I get it if you're obviously mispronouncing a word. Yes. Uh, but that, when you're talking with somebody's name, it's a little different. Let's do some more research, a little Very. bit more insensitive. Be, be more sensitive. But that did shock me because I knew no Kayleys growing up that all of a sudden this ended up being a famous name. Now, my mm-hmm. son... We just gave him a boring name. I love his name. But as far as the history of names, we named him Levi. Mm-hmm. I don't think we met one other Levi while he was growing up. It was yeah. just It was just a unique name. Mm-hmm. Uh, a common name, an easy name, a name everybody knows. But it's just weird how the name in a child works. You think, oh, oh yes. I got a unique name. My kids don't have to worry about it. I say that all the time. I think that that was one of the biggest pressures is in having a child is naming it because they're stuck with that for the rest of their lives. No kidding. So it's like, oh gosh, I hope you like it because I did. How many people's embarrassed their middle name? A lot. I wonder why. I don't know. I don't know. Mine was passed down from my grandmother, so it was a little bit older. And when I was younger, I didn't love it. But now that I'm older and I have my grandmother's name, I love it, you know. So mine's Marie, so I love it now. But when I was little, you know, it it sounded older to me. Right. So I didn't love it then. But now my grandmother's gone, and I'm thankful that I have that middle name. So My daughter's middle name was passed down from both of her maternal uh, grandmother or great grandmother. So uh, that's, that's her name's Irene. Oh. So uh, it's Kaylee Irene, and it's an old name. Yes. But it's both of it was my grandmother and then I think my wife's grandmother's. So it's my my well, daughter's. My grandmother Marie had a sister Irene. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. So that's how she got that name. And Levi was we were going to name him we were going to name him Noah Taylor. That's what we're going to name him. And the problem I had with that was every time my mom or my brother would call me, how's Noah? I'm like, I haven't met the little jerk. I don't know. He's in a, he's still 
I don't know. Every time they'd call and say, how's Noah? And it just raked on my ever-loving nerves. Just raked on it. So we're at home in Kentucky one day, and I get that phone call again. And Mom's, how's Noah? I said, we're not naming him Noah. You like it too much. We're like three weeks away from birth. Oh, my goodness. The wife looks at me with like, what? We're not? (laughs) Nope. Not naming him Noah. (laughs) And I just made that decision. We got off the phone, and she's like, we're three weeks away. you got to do something. Well, we'll find another name. In three weeks! <laughs> so we start this search, and we found this name, Levi. So we kicked that around, and then we finally came up with Levi Walker. Uh, he'll actually go by Levi Walker mm-hmm. instead of Levi Bridwell sometimes. He'll just he'll go by Levi Walker. And that's our fault. We called him that. We liked how it fit. But there were two state parks in Kentucky. Uh, it was the Levi Jackson State Park and the Thomas Walker State Park, and they're both right there beside us. So I was like, oh, you named him after the state parks. Like, no. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> if I was going to name him after a state park, it'd be like Red Clay or Cherokee or something. It wouldn't be. It'd be one in Tennessee, not oh, Kentucky. But <clears throat> that, that was, how long were you in labor? 58 hours. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. 58 hours before they gave up and decided I was going to have to have a cesarean. So, well, I wanted to ask pounds. you that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 58 hours before they were like, are you ready to give up now? So, Oh, you wanted to do that? Um, no, I did not want to have a C-section, but at that point, no, I, I was... No, uh, you were wanting to go the natural. and I was trying without knowing that he was 11 pounds. Well, you'd think they would know that. Well, they had told me when I was 38 weeks pregnant that he was eight and a half pounds. So I should have known. I should have known, but yeah. I didn't. You get, so. I mean, it's not like, oh, he's eight and a half pounds. Yeah. But he's not going to grow any further. Yeah. And I was about 41 weeks when I finally had him. So, um, yeah, he was a big boy. He still is. He's still big for his age. So I thought he was older in the picture. I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I, look, I didn't look too in-depth at mm-hmm. it, but I thought he was older than four. He's um, He just turned four in September, and... Most people, when they see him, think he's about six. Yeah. So I was thinking six or seven. But again, yeah. I was just looking at a picture. I don't notice it because it he's, night. you know, he's the one I'm always around, and to me, he's a baby. And but when I see him around kids his age, that's when I'm like, oh, you're ginormous. Okay. Right. So yeah, that's that's when I notice. Because you're is his dad large or? Yeah, I mean I'm five eight. So for a, for a female, yeah, I mean yeah, I'm no, very tall too, and his dad's like six four, six five. So yeah, they're, we're just all pretty big people. I actually, at birth, I was nine pounds twelve ounces. Holy cow! So I was ten pounds, um, pretty much. Um, so I was a big baby. I knew he was going to be a big baby for sure. Um, I mean, the, the, all the stars were aligned. He should have been, yeah, right? But I had threatened, you know, it doesn't work, but I had threatened, um, his doctors and said that I would not have a C-section and that they better not let him get too big. How are they going to stop him? <laughs> I mean, what are you? Oh, when they told me he was eight and a half pounds, I was like, I'm good. Let's go. I'll stay today. We're going to induce this baby. We're we're done. I'm done. If he's eight and a half pounds. How big were you? I mean, you must have just been huge. I was. I mean, I'm tall, so I have right. a lot of place for, you know, the baby to go. But it was still, I was, yeah, I was huge. I looked like a whale. Oh, my God. It was, were you miserable? Were you like? Well, it was one of those situations where I he was due in September, so I was at my biggest July, August, September, the hottest months of the year. Holy cow. And I kept 
I kept thinking I was miserable, but then I was like, no, you don't deserve to be miserable. You're healthy. The baby's healthy. You don't get to be miserable. But when they told me he was 11 pounds, I was like, I was miserable, and I don't care what any of you say. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking he was probably eight or nine pounds, so I was like, no, Ashley, like, you do not deserve to be miserable. You're fine. Tough it up. Women, generations before you have had babies, quit being a baby here. (laughs) You don't get to be the baby. That's right. Then all of a sudden you find out, oh, he's 11 pounds. I was kind of. uh, I had every right to be a baby. And, of course, I had him in football season, so they were all laughing and saying that Butch Jones was downstairs trying to recruit him. And I was like, you know, I think I'm still cut open. Uh, if we could not talk about how big he is <laughs> while I'm still on the operating table, that would be good. So, oh, yeah, that was um, that was definitely, for me, that was very scary. But I, So I never had a little baby. He was always a big boy, so. Ouch. Yeah. I, and just, I don't know. It was rough. Um, but he's he's great. He was he was worth it. You know, we forget and we're like. Oh. I always hear that. I, I always talk to women and and they say that, that yes. as soon as the baby's born, the pain's gone. Yes, you forget all about it. So I did. I forgot all. It took a while. It wasn't like instant forget. It was a few. Well, weeks. you had a different. I mean, you had surgery. Yes. Well, uh, the women I've talked to who's who's had uh, a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. It's just like. It's over. It's, yeah, it's, it's gone. And they sent me home with an 11-pound baby when I couldn't lift 10 pounds. <laughs> so how do you do that? You lift it anyways. <laughs> I would try. I tried to behave myself and, like, I wouldn't pick him up. I would ha- try to have people hand him to me yeah. and then just hold him. It was more of the picking up that they didn't want me to do. But after a few days, I was home by myself with him. I had to pick him up, you yeah. know. So that was a challenge, but... Uh, you know, it was one of those things they have to know that I'm going to have to pick him up one way or another. So I guess it's just, okay, don't do a lot of it. Right. And be smart. So yeah, that was, smart, that's what smart. I tried to do. I was just like, well, you know, I have to pick up my child. He's, he's my child. My child. He, he needs to be taken <laughs> care of. Someone has to take care of him. Well, my daughter, uh, when we just had her, I got in a bad accident and arms all busted up in a sling. And, uh, I was at home by myself with her, and Chris, she's in diapers. She needs fed. She needs everything. She needs. Yes. So here I am in a one arm trying to figure out how to change my daughter's diapers and get her dressed and do that because the wife was at work. Or, and the same thing happened when I busted my foot. Mm-hmm. I'm, on a, I'm on crutches, and she's in her bed. I have to go get her. Well, I can't walk on this foot. It's broken up. So I put my crutches down, lower her little bed down. I get on my knees. I you know, grab her and then I walk on my knees to the house, wherever I need to go with her. You do. You figure things out. You do. It's parent mode. We go into survival mode and we do what we can. So, uh, what's he? Uh, what's his favorite thing right now? His favorite thing. He loves superheroes. Of course, we talked about that. He thinks he's Batman, but it's not just Batman. It's like on any given day, it's Batman or Spider Man or. Um, Captain America, Superman, it's its everybody. Um, mm-hmm. One of his favorite things right now in this moment is The Grinch. We watch The Grinch every night. Are you serious? My four-year-old can quote the entire movie. And I'm not talking about the good, sweet Grinch that just came out. I'm talking about the Jim Carrey Grinch. That's, <laughs> you know, I mean, so my son runs around quoting the Grinch, which is great for a four-year-old. There's, there's, um, there's worse things he could be quoting. You know, it's the funniest movie. It's, it is really good. So I don't mind that that's his thing right now, but it, it is funny hearing him 
quote the, and I put it on my Instagram story all the time, like him quoting the Grinch. And he actually, um, small town Christmas and here in Sweetwater was Saturday night. And I have videos of him out in the street dancing with the Grinch. So oh my. He, he's living for the Grinch right now, but... We, that had to be so cool for it, him. It was. It, and he still talks about it. He's like, I danced with the Grinch, and I have to show him all the videos. So that was really exciting for him. Did you have brothers? Um, okay, so I was an only child for 12 years. And then my mom had my sister when I was 12. Mm-hmm. So I had a sister. That had to be frustrating. <laughs> um, I I still, I, this is this sounds selfish, I still have an only child mentality. Oh, yeah, of course. Because I was an only child for so long. But my mom actually had my brother when I was 17 years old. Oh, my God. So, yeah, we're worlds apart. And actually, my brother, I think, was five when I had my son. So, yeah. It, so they can grow up together. Y- yeah, they don't get along very well right now. But I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping they'll be friends one day, maybe. My brother... Um, my son is my brother's punching bag at this point because he's little and he doesn't defend himself. But I keep telling my brother he's he's, he's very gonna get big. big. He, he already is. He's almost he's four. He's almost. No, as I mean big. he's gonna outgrow you very soon. He's he Jansen's four. My brother's ten, and he's already almost as big as my brother. And um, that's what I tell Parker. I'm like, one of these days he's gonna lay you out, and I'm not gonna stop him. That's right. <laughs> You've been so mean to him all of his life. So yeah, I tell him all the time. I'm like, I'm just gonna let it happen. I'm pretending I don't see it. Well, the reason I ask is because I'm always fascinated at watching young women who have boys mm-hmm. that were never around. Boys. Boys. Yeah, they had a dad. Yes. And they might have had a brother, but they weren't around it from a mother's standpoint. What's that like? I mean, are you learning stuff? Is it like, I, is it changing in a, you in any way? In a sense. But then again, it's like, you know, she had my sister when I was 12. so yeah. I, And I was a mature 12-year-old. So I helped a lot with my sister. And then she had my brother when I was 17. So I really mommied him a lot. Now, in... In a different sense, because I didn't want to have to babysit him. I didn't want to have to be obligated to him. But, like, I wanted to play with him and feed him and change him and do all those things. Yeah. So, in a sense, it kind of felt like I had already had one, if that makes sense. Just no, no, it does. I it was, totally does. Yeah, I mean, I was older when my mom had my brother. And just helping with him, I actually... Knowing the difference in a boy and a girl when I was pregnant the whole time, I was just like, please let it be a boy. I actually wanted a boy. And people think that that's so funny because um, no, I get it. Most I get it. Girly girls want a girl to dress up. And I did not. I was like, I need a six figure job before I can have a girl. I need this to be a boy. So because yeah, they're easier. They I think so. He's. He's a mama's boy, so he's definitely attached to my hip, and that's right. challenging at times. But I try to enjoy it because I know that I'll ne- I'll probably never get that lucky again. I won't have, like, the cuddler, the one that loves me like that, probably ever again. So um, I'm thankful for it. Just sometimes I'm like, I'm not a jungle gym, you know. See, that's the thing about boys. Um, <laughs> they love their moms. They love their moms. They do. They do. Uh, but they boys show love physically. Yes. So, you, you know, you were talking earlier about how boys on the playground will fight than mm-hmm. their best friends. Well, that, that's a respect thing. That they mm-hmm. love each other. And you get guys, even the boys who are great friends, you look out in the yard and they're rolling around and they're beating each other up and they're having fun and they're physical. Uh, boys, when they come up to their moms, you know, they might, might not hit, but, you know, punch, playing around. They oh, like yeah. to wrestle. They like to just get in there and get at it. 
but they only do that with people that they like. Yes. And people that they love. I mean, will they have to get into a fight? Okay, if I have to get into a fight, I will. But then I'm going to like that person. Yes. But boys are different that way. Um, I agree because people say all the time that they're like, how do you get such good pictures with him? And, you know, social media is a highlight reel. I don't post the, right. the bad pictures, but I'm like, there was one I remember right before I was leaving from his United States in 2017 and everyone was like that picture's so cute and I was like I literally got punched in the eye before <laughs> that like he he socked me in the eye and I, I was like oh my gosh I'll leave for this pageant tomorrow and I'm gonna have a black eye like my kid just punched me and he just like got excited and just hit me in the eye and I so was it wasn't like, an anger thing or? no he just he really didn't want to take the picture and I've tried to tell him that the best thing he can do is just cooperate and take the picture because I'm going to make him take it anyways and yeah he hit me in the eye but everyone was like that picture is so cute and I was like the moments before were not cute <laughs> they were not so yeah I, I definitely agree with that well they are and that's that's why I said boys will be boys but that's why we have to teach them to be men yes and that's the phrase that a lot of people I mean I guess I added that phrase um and you do have to teach him but hey we don't hit mom no we don't hit women. Preferably not. <laughs> right. We don't do this. Yes. Uh, so hopefully you can get to that point. And I'm, I know sometimes things happen just because they're just being boys. They're wild. Just wild. They're climbing. They're jumping. My daughter was a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would have her little Polly Pockets and sit with little ribbons and her books Aww. and crayons. and Totally different experience. Levi, we'd be at a basketball game, and the wife would look around. Where's Levi? I don't know. I, mean, I thought he was sitting right here. <laughs> yes. And he's up in the stands, and he's got some dad in a headlock that he don't know. You know? I know. It's amazing what they do. Right. And then the dad's like, oh, I'm good. I know. <laughs> and, I know. It's, being a parent is definitely a different experience all around. You, you learn a lot about yourself. when You, you do. <laughs> because there's only so much that you can do, and, you know. Well, they're different. Just try to raise them the best that you can, and potty training them was different. Oh, potty training! I just, I just taught Levi to go outside. If you're outside, just go. Uh, and that was a great idea until I'm driving home from work one day, and I'm living in this really nice neighborhood in Washington State on a golf course, and all the cars in front of me, the brake lights are going on. And I see all these people waving. Oh, what's going on? So I'm pulling up to our house, and I. Right as I pull into our drive, I see my son in the yard, his pants down around his ankles, and he's peeing over the ditch, and all those cars are driving by, and he's just waving at him. Oh, that's a boy thing, for sure. It <laughs> is. It's a boy thing. I, I never taught Jansen to do that. Um, there have been emerg- there have been interstate emergencies right, where that right, right, had right. to be done. But, um, I, gosh, I didn't get I'll him. teach him. Let I me meet him. <laughs> I didn't get him potty trained until he was like three and a half. And I was oh, like, wow. I'm going to send this kid to kindergarten in diapers. And I finally, I, I did the good old bribing me- method. And I went to the Dollar Tree and just got a bunch of dollar toys uh-huh. and stocked up and candy and just all kinds of things and rewarded him when he would go. And I told my mom, I was like, I may rot his teeth out in the process, but at least he'll get new ones. That's right. They're going to fall out anyways. Yeah, I, I don't was, care. So probably not a parenting win on my end of things, but he can use a potty now. Hey, so. you got to the game. That's all that matters. You got him to the game. Yep. That's all that matters, and that's the that's the great thing. I uh, I very much enjoy both both genders. Uh, my my uh, ex wife probably would have loved to have had that girly girl because mm-hmm. she's very much she's very 
very feminine. And, and my daughter's starting to come more into that. Mm-hmm. But um, she's... But she definitely had that tomboyish thing. The, the, the hard thing for... The hard transition we had was when my daughter was making that transition to becoming a woman. Yes. And then she started started veering more toward her mom. And I, as a dad, who she's been daddy's little girl all this time, start feeling alienated and isolated as mm-hmm. if she's mad at me or she's something's wrong or blah, blah, blah. And the wife had to come back and remind me, hey, look, she's, this is what she's, she's doing. going through things. She's going through things. Yes. And I thought that was very crucial. And then I watched the same thing happen with my son. He's mama's boy, mama's boy, mama's boy. And oh, here's dad. Yep. <laughs> and I had to, and we had that same discussion, except in the reverse. Then. Yes. But what I had did find out, too, with boys, is if you want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So say you want to find out what's going on. The worst thing you can do is sit them down on the couch or at the kitchen table and say, Hey, <laughs> so tell me about your day. Worst thing you do. You want to talk to him, do something with him. Mm-hmm. So if he's down there playing cars, you go down and you play cars. And then they'll just talk. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's coloring, you go color or, or take him on a walk. If you do something active, physical with him, boys will talk. Men in the same way, though. Yes. Because the worst thing you can do with your boyfriend is say, okay, let's sit down and talk. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, so how long have you been dating him? Um, almost a year. Almost. Yeah, almost a year. He's had to deal with, he's more of the outdoorsy, um, nature guy. So he doesn't really know what to do or think about me. Right. So do with me, um, you know, we're very, very different and it just works really well. So. Different and that you don't like to go hunting or? He's not really like the hunting type. It's more of the, um, the hiking and paddleboarding and motorcycling and you know that kind I of outdoorsy thing he hasn't got me to go yet we we meant to a lot this summer and things just got crazy and we never went so but he loves that i think that's something that i could do it's just like the the hiking and things i'm like oh, okay we're gonna do that let's that's good um you know i just don't have time to get eaten by a bear it's one of those right. things yeah i have a life goal yeah you don't know, get eaten by a bear same with the motorcycle thing like i just don't have time what kind of motorcycles you ride i have no idea oh <laughs> you've dated him for almost a year and you have no idea he, he, is it a cruiser style is it like a, a racing style i think racing okay more more they so. be laying forward on it yeah okay yeah Okay. So yeah, um, he's great though. He's he's really good with the pageant thing and very supportive, even though he doesn't know what I'm doing or, you know, but he's been very supportive. Tell him to listen to the podcast. I know. I'll tell him. I'll be like, you need to listen to this podcast. You made a appearance in it, so. <laughs> That's right. That way you can find out what I do. Yes. What I have to go through. He knows because he hears a lot about it. He's just kind of like the supportive, like uh huh, and just lets me like talk through it. Yeah, then he's not listening. Probably. Because <laughs> I that that's one of my things. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that last one I was dating, she's talking to me, uh-huh, yeah. She said, you even listen to me? No, I'm just doing my best to act like I am and be supportive, well, but I'm actually I, thinking about something else. Exactly, <laughs> and I totally get that because when I'm talking to him about pageants, he's thinking about motorcycles, and when I'm talk- he's talking to me about motorcycles, I'm thinking about pageants. So right. it's one of those things, and we just, you know, it, it works well, though, so that's good. No, you should totally get into the paddleboarding. I, I think so, too, actually. Uh, I tried it. My former brother-in-law used to work for a company that actually made them, mm-hmm. and so I was wanting to try one. 
and uh, he had a couple in his garage. I said, hey, can I borrow a paddleboard? I want to go try this. He said, and I, he was at work. He said, you know what? I'm just going to bring you one from, from the warehouse to prototype. Mm-hmm. There's only two of them in the world. I'm going to bring it to you. So he brings it over, and he said, yeah, we're actually making this for one of their uh, – they, they, they sponsor these professional paddleboarders. Mm-hmm. He said, we're making one for this guy, and uh, this is one of those, and it's just, this was the prototype for it. And uh, so I borrowed it, and I get out there. I've never done this before. I'm by myself, and I get out there, and I'm just, oh, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. It is the coolest thing in the world, Actually, and it's great for the core. Yeah, I think I would enjoy it. I'm very clumsy, so I'm more afraid of um, – Spending more time in the water than on the paddleboard, but I think that... I think You'll figure it out. Exactly. I used to wakeboard and do some of that stuff. So oh, I'm well, like, then you can do this. Surely. I feel like... But I also feel like I'll go to, into it too confident and be like, oh, okay, can't even stand up. That's Well, good. just make sure somebody's got a camera. Exactly. Oh, he always has his GoPro, so we're That's good. right. Make He'll, sure somebody's got the GoPro attached to the front of the paddleboard. Yep. So as long as he has his GoPro, we're good. We'll at least get some good footage out Get some it. vintage footage there. Mm-hmm. Well, have you, you said clumsy. Have you, have you tried yoga? No, not really. You got to try yoga. You got to try it. I don't think I'm calm enough. Like yoga. That's why you got to try yoga. I know. I, that's my thing. I feel like I should, but I feel like I would be like, okay, got to go. Let's do something. You know. See, but you can do like a five-minute yoga. Yeah, that you don't would have to probably do it help. Forty-five minutes. I have a lot of like anxiety too. I feel like it would be so good for me. I just you got to do yes. it. Listen to that. Listen to my podcast with the. Uh, Christy Mayu. Okay. She was, she's the gal who owns the yoga studio that I was going to. Awesome. I did it for the first time on my birthday a couple of day, a couple of years ago, 2016. And uh, I, I walked out of there and I just wanted to hug people. <laughs> I, may, I probably should incorporate that in my life then, actually. Right. You should. You've got to find high a, anxiety. You can do it. Uh, I know you got a busy schedule and you may not have time to go to a studio. Um, especially with the holidays right now, but you can, there's uh, YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Just, I've seen those. Yeah. Uh, and you just do it right there and you don't need a mat. That's what I thought. And that's, this is what I found out with my podcast with uh, Christy. I said something about the yoga mat and you know, what's the best mat? What are you going to do? And you know, her basic statement was whatever makes you feel better, whatever works. She said, but do you know what the purpose of the mat is? I said, no. She said, the only purpose of that mat is to define your space. <laughs> that's just it I didn't know that uh, just, just to define your space she said yeah the, the, some mats give you grip because you, you might be on a floor where you're going to slide or whatever when you get in a certain position so they're good for that if you mm-hmm. need it for that and they're good for cushioning if you're on your knee because maybe you're on a concrete floor she said but the basic purpose of it is to define your space how neat I did not know that so you don't even need a mat no I have one at home though do you have a yoga mat, but you don't do yoga? I have a yoga mat to do crunches and things like that. Okay. On. Just so I'm not on the floor, you know. Yeah. Well, then you got to try it. Do the YouTube thing. I don't know if there's a studio here. Not that I know of. I mean, not super close. So. Well, and that anxiety thing, there's a, a guy I'm trying to get on the podcast. He started yoga, and he's dealt with a lot of anxiety, addiction issues, depression. And he just raves about what yoga's done for him he was that guy that had to be moving because his mind was going so far and so fast and it taught him to meditate Mm -hmm. taught him to breathe taught him and and that's the thing a lot of people don't get is sometimes you just got to breathe yes i don't mean sustain yourself but just yes breath in 
Brother. Just to calm everything down. No, I agree with that. Well, that makes me think about something. What, before you go on stage, what's your routine? Um, I'm usually somewhere crying or freaking out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I really am. There are a lot of girls who are more withdrawn and quiet when they are getting ready to compete. I'm the opposite. I'm the like super chatty Kathy backstage that I'm probably on everybody's nerves, but that's how I'm dealing with my anxiety mm -hmm. is just like trying to talk through it and, you know, be like giddy and happy. Um, but in reality, I'm like freaking completely out. So I actually joke about it all the time when I compete now because I'm like, I'm like, I don't know why I still put myself through this because I, my anxiety is so bad that I start freaking myself out. And, but I will say, this is the first time when I competed for Ms. U.S. World, it was the most laid back and relaxed pageant I had ever done. And so I think that maybe the shorter week, um, but also they, they really put a huge emphasis on trying to make it like a girls weekend. And they were like, you know, we want this to be like a girls weekend. And then, oh yeah, there's a pageant. And they really made it that way. And Good. so this was the first time I was telling Robbie, um, boyfriend, no, Robbie is Ms. World. Oh, yes. World. Um, so I was telling Robbie, I was like, I have not had a meltdown yet. And I'm kind of wondering when that's going to happen because I've just been so relaxed and it's bizarre how relaxed I've been. And a lot of times I'm pretty high anxiety until interview because to me, interview is just so important and I want it to go the way I want it to go. And um, I'm a little bit of a control freak. So I just want that interview to go well because I feel like you could really win or lose your inter your oh, absolutely. The whole pageant in your interview. So I, I get really anxious before my interview and it was so weird. I walked in the interview at Ms. U.S. World just completely calm and the judges were very inviting. They were very nice. They asked the right questions that got us, you know, I, I, when I walked out of interview, I called my mom and I was like, so this could be a bad thing. I said, but I felt really good about that. Um, I've left interview crying before and Ooh. won the interview award. So who knows, you know, so sometimes I feel like I'm not the best judge of how well it went. Well, so we're, we're our own worst critics. We are. And we're very hard on ourselves. And especially when it it's coming down to something like this and it was, you know, it's make or break in that five minutes with the judges. So I came out and I was just like, I felt really good about that. I said, I hope that's not a bad thing. Um, so when I won the interview award, I was very thankful because that's huge to me, but I, I wasn't surprised because I did feel like I connected really well with the judges that day. So, but overall, I just try to calm myself and that's not, doesn't always happen. Well, that's one of the, I know, like, I used to do a lot of public speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and prior to, and it was hard because in the role that I was in, I rarely got this chance. Prior to, I'd want to be by myself. Mm -hmm. I just want to be by myself. I might listen to some music. Uh, and I, I just wanted to have that zone moment. I rarely got that, but that's what I wanted. Yeah. Afterwards, and I, I, I think I do well. I engage people well. I do all that stuff well. I enjoy being on stage. I enjoy that whole thing. Afterwards, I got to crash. Yes. It's like, I'm going to finish this, and I'm going to be dead in it's, a couple hours. It is hours. exhausting. I, it truly is. And I, I tell people, I feel like I'm an extroverted introvert because... 
it's like some days I wake up and I'm ready to be around people yeah. and you know, cause I, I work in a business where I, I'm with women exactly. all day and, but it's like sometimes when I wake up and I'm in that introverted place, it takes everything out of me to be an extrovert. It's like, I know, I know what I have to do. Have you ever I'm, taken one of those tests? Mm-mm. Oh, you should try that sometime. It'd be interesting. I, I don't know how much value I put in them, but at least take one. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Myers Briggs has them and other people have them. Yeah. But that's the most famous. Here's what I've learned. Uh, what charges you? What gives you? What recharges your batteries? Is it being around and, and engaged, or is it just hey, I want my alone time? Downtime, for sure. Then you're an introvert. Mm-hmm. But I love being around people, so it's very weird. That's me. I love being on stage. I love engaging people. I love doing these podcasts. I love videos but i get recharged mm-hmm. to in my downtime yes i where other people i know they get their energy by being around people those are extroverts yes is my understanding of the def- definition it's how you get your extent, energy i do but it's it's if i'm in an introverted place i need to be alone or i can i can get to that point where i'm being extroverted but it wears me out like yeah. I'm so exhausted by it. So yeah, it doesn't charge me to be. I, I don't get energized. I I was hosting Sounds of Summer this summer in Athens, and I I'm on stage very little, but I'm I'm also the host of Sounds of Summer, so I'm floating around, talking to people, you know, getting ready for the next act and doing all that stuff. And once Sounds of Summer is over, and I'm no longer the host of Sounds of Summer guy, I go over to open door. And I'd sit there and be like, oh, just give me a beer. <laughs> you know, I just want a beer. And I hope nobody comes in here and talks to me right now. <laughs> and that was me. Uh, but on stage, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. We just did over two hours. Look at us. Yeah, does it feel like it? No. See, that's really what fast. I love about it. Um, the uh, Thank you. Oh, wait a minute. I meant to ask you. Your business. <laughs> Tell them about your business. Yes. So Let's I pimp own- that. Yeah, I'm actually like right downstairs from my business. Um, so I own Her Majesty Boutique and I have owned, we've been here in Sweetwater for two years. Um, it's kind of crazy. We just celebrated our second birthday in September. Um, but I, I managed a boutique all through college. I, I went to Tennessee Wesleyan. I majored in business. And so after college, I had my son and I was actually working from home doing network marketing and I earned a bonus with the company I was with, and I was just like, wow, like it's time. So that's when I started Her Majesty. And the whole goal of Her Majesty is just to bring bring mainstream fashion to Main Street, but also to make all women look and feel like a queen. So I think it's really neat how my business actually ties hand in hand with the organization that I won my title with and just empowering women. So I have this location here in Sweetwater in the downtown area. I opened a second location in Foothills Mall in Maryville. Oh, wow. So yes, we do have two locations right now. And um, Sweetwater is always going to be the home of Her Majesty. It's my hometown. It's the world um, headquarters. Yes, it's the headquarters. Um so, yeah, it's it's something really special. I say that it's my second child. Um, well, yeah, you're married to it. Yes, you are. You absolutely are. Um, 
But being an entrepreneur is definitely something that I was made for, and I, I don't deal well with having a boss. So, you know, being my own boss has been nice. Um, but I have, you know. I was just I'm thinking a, about your boyfriend. <laughs> bless his heart, right? Um, He's a patient man, I guess. He is. He's so patient. Bless you know why? Because he gets out in the nature. That's true. It probably is true. He hugs trees and, you know, does that kind of thing. So he'll be so mad if he hears me say that. Um, I joke with him all the time about him loving trees. So well, trees beautiful. and motorcycles. They're beautiful. <laughs> Bless his heart. He deals with So me. Her Majesty's Boutique, Foothills yes. Mall here in downtown Sweetwater as well. It's yes. upstairs, right? Yes. I've been in it. Have you? I have. And I can tell you exactly when I was in it. It was uh, last year. During, I think it was downtown Christmas. Probably. Last year. We were so busy that I hardly had time to... It was crowded. Yes, I hardly had time to see or talk to anybody that day. Yeah, it was crowded. I think I did a 365 Things to Do video walking around downtown. That's really neat. Have you ever seen those videos? No. I, I got a video project called 365 Things to Do Around Athens. And so I just go around and find things to do. Like the one that was up yesterday... Um, was the Humane Society. They're having Santa Paws, where they're having discount adoption rates mm-hmm. for dogs and cats. And so I went and did a video on that one. So, yeah, you have to check it out. How neat. I'll have to look at that. That's awesome. 365 Things to Do Around Athens. There's a plug for it on YouTube. If you find 365 things to do in Sweetwater, then you deserve an award. That's why I sit around. <laughs> Because I can go to Sweetwater, I can go to Chattanooga, yes. I can go to Cleveland. I'm going to Cleveland this Saturday night. Um, there's a drag queen show. Wow, I, I judged a drag pageant one time. Well, did it you was, really? I did. I judged the Miss Knoxville drag pageant. It was very, like... It's amazing. It Yes, I, I was... It, again, it's just performing, but it was it was incredible. And I, I was kind of self-conscious. Yeah, I was kind of self-conscious, too, because I was like, these men are way prettier than me. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. you got to be careful being a single guy going to a drag queen show. Yeah, probably. You don't go in there looking for dates. No. Because you just... And, and that's the other secret. Somebody, Because I mentioned something to the guys I work with. Hey, you guys ought to go to this drag queen show with me. Like, uh, no, no. I mean, they're just like, I'd ask them to... It's fascinating. It's like I'd ask them to make out with some guy or something. They're like, no, I ain't going to that. I said, said, look, just if you're going to go to a drag show or a gay bar as a straight guy, don't be a jerk, right? If you're a jerk, don't go. And know your drinking limit. Yes, (laughs) of course. And go in there to have fun. Yes. So well, I didn't know they had a drag pageant here. The artistry behind it is amazing. They are so talented. Like what they outfits. do, their outfits, their makeup, it's all just amazing. They put, I mean, that's their lives. I mean, they truly live that. And it's, I mean, it's very expensive what they do. And I mean, it's amazing. I'm fascinated by it. And I think it's so neat that they do that. Um, well, I think I'm going to make that a 365 things to do. I would. That Saturday, is so neat. do a video with me and a drag queen. That would be amazing. But uh, no, they, I, I first. You should get them on your podcast. I thought about that. You should. I thought about uh, getting it's, to know them and ask one of them to be on the podcast. Yes, if you like dug deep into their like lives and what they do, like that would be so amazing. That's a story that needs to be heard. It is because there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, uh, about homosexuality, right? Uh, and especially about drag queens, and because not all of them are gay. 
just some guys just like to perform. Well, some of them are women. Some of them that's, are. That's what's fascinating. I mean, it's it's what they do is just amazing to me. I yeah. I support them. I think that it's really incredible what they do. Well, I haven't gotten a guy friend of mine to tell me that he'd go, but I've had a couple. Of, I don't want to use the word girlfriends. I don't have a girlfriend, but female friends who have said, "Yeah, no, I want to go." So we'll see who shows up. Yes. I'm going to get a hotel in the area because I don't want to drive all the way back to Athens after. The show starts at midnight. It's a really long two-hour or two twenty-minute drive. <laughs> I'm gonna have a couple to drink. But I did, learn, I did learn this. They have what is called drag time, and basically, if the show says it's starting at ten, did you say ten o'clock? Midnight. Mid, okay, so we could start at one or two in the morning because they're on drag time. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. So I didn't realize that. So when I was judging, I had to be at class the next morning because that's when I was Miss Tennessee back in 2012. I went to Tennessee Wesleyan. I was in Knoxville yeah. judging this drag pageant, and I don't think that they showed up until like 1:30. Oh, they're definitely. Uh very They're queenish, divas. very divas They're about it. They're definitely divas, but I love it. Like I love that they personality. Are. I, I love that about them. So. They're very flamboyant, and yeah. Now if I get there, I'll get there. Uh, yes. I'm looking forward to the show. I get one of them on your podcast. That is your goal. That is my goal. I'm setting that goal for you. Well, if you know one, uh, they have. A, there's some shows up in Knoxville too. Yes. I just found out. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. I'm definitely going to try to get one on a 365 things, make that a 365 things to do around Athens, just to irritate some of the people that I want to irritate. <laughs> yeah, close-minded people may not be so accepting, but I, I think it's fabulous. Right. I love what they do. But I'm not going to respond to their comments. Ashley, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Say bye-bye. Bye.